Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. My guest today is a close friend of mine. He is a car enthusiast, a vape salesman, and a very talented musician. Uh, he's a dear friend of mine. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you guys do as well. Please welcome Tom Schultz. Home Audio Entertainment. 9016 Radio. The show for artists of all kinds. Sit down, relax, enjoy the music. So you were saying before how you are quitting vaping. What's the story behind that? Well, I vaped for ever since I started working at Shosha, actually, which would have been... You've been there a few years ago. Yeah, at the beginning of 2018. Yeah. Um, so I started working there in Nelson and my first words to everyone was, I'm not going not gonna to pick up a big vape. It's, uh, Just because you can. <laughs> And because of, um, imagine vaping and how that was sort of received in culture around that time. It's, uh, you don't walk down the street and see people vaping yeah, commonly. Yeah, it was fairly new and it was, yeah. Yeah, and it still got the stigma of, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, vaping. those trends, yeah. yeah. But um, a weekend, I got myself a big vape. <laughs> cool. Started vaping. And then, um, yeah, ever since. There was a brief period which I managed to quit uh, just before lockdown. Yeah. But as soon as the um, level four no, uh, notice was announced, I uh, snagged a vape from work. Yeah. And there was no way I was going to spend four weeks sitting in my room without a vape. For sure. So you, you've been vaping for a long time. Yes. You already were vaping. Yep. You just went up a notch. So Yeah, pretty much. What were you just adding more? I mean, I'm a bit of a vape noob, but what were you? What was the purpose of having a big one? Uh, so... Flavor. I just wanted to have something to do at work. Right. Can't can't smoke at work. Yeah, I um, suppose it lasts you longer too. Bigger batteries and that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You do go through um quite a bit more juice, yeah. which is makes it quite a bit more expensive. Yeah. Right. Um, and when that was starting to become quite apparent to my bank account, I went to the the Nixalt, so the high nicotine. Yeah. Um, with the intent of quitting smoking. Which sort of just turned into me smoking and vaping right. <laughs> a lot. Um, best of both worlds, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> can, can vape at work. Yeah, can't smoke at work. Yeah, but um, obviously, giving up the um, the social aspect of smoking. Yeah, is not something I wanted to do. Um, but it I brings mean, you back. Yeah. It's, it's like you don't you don't go up to someone at a event and say, hey, do you want to go and stand outside for 10 minutes and yeah. <laughs> talk yeah, in the cold? Yeah, willing, it's kind of like, mm, no, probably yeah, not. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, quitting. Um, it's, it's really bad for you. There's been a lot of studies come out relatively recently that have shown some pretty distressing uh, information. Well, I have been sceptical recently because it seems as though it's sort of just been taken way out of proportion. Like the original purpose of vaping was to replace the cigarette and yeah. now you can put in t 10 times more nicotine uh -huh. into a vape <laughs> than you can a cigarette. So is that what you're talking about? Is that yeah. mainly what makes it it's, unhealthy um, or is it just the like, uh, burning that, things as well? So that, like, that is a huge part of it. Um, the nicotine levels that have become popular now are obscene. It's, um, it's quite ridiculous. Um, yeah, it really so blew up there. You can you can get uh, sixty meg vape juice. Jesus, 
And in a 30 mil bottle, which will generally last someone a week, yep. um, there's the equivalent nicotine to 23 30 gram pouches. Bloody hell. Which is nuts. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And um, obviously most of the people that are going into 60 meg are first, second year, um, haven't smoked or vaped before. Yeah. They just go, they come into the store and their mates will go, oh, bro, what do you mean, bro, get the 60? Yeah. So, <laughs> go all out. <laughs> yeah, and I always, yeah. Say, I always say, no, don't get the 60. Yeah. Really don't. And then the who listens to the vape store guy when he tells you not to get the high nicotine no, stuff? No, of <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that was like the whole trend of it. Sort of, I never really got into it. Not because everyone else was, but I kind of thought, well, there's no real point in me starting apart from just having like a thing to do. It wasn't serving me any real purpose <laughs> aside from just yeah. having something that tasted good and mm. and quote unquote looking cool doing it. You know. Mm-hmm. You must get a lot of people like that. Where oh yeah, completely. <laughs> it, um, I mean, like from the perspective you're saying, it just it costs money. It's something yeah. to yeah, just sink your paycheck into. Yeah, for, for sure. no real purpose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what you were saying before about how it's um, turned from a like a medium to quit smoking. Yeah. It's it's been it's turned around completely into a. Um, like a lifestyle choice. Yeah. So I think the general sort of the general image around it is that it's it's safe, that it's right. it's safe to do and it's it's not smoke, it's just vapor, so you can just yeah, you can vapor and this is combined with the conception that nicotine uh, and the negative negative sides to nicotine is only that it's addictive, right, which is not true. Uh, nicotine has many other physiological effects, for sure. especially on people that haven't been smoking for ages and are young. Like it's, you start to get effects from like physical effects from nicotine uh, using the Nixalt, uh That like in about a year, that smokers only get after like thirty years of smoking. Jeez. Like the like the receding gums and yeah. your blood pressure skyrockets. Right. And so, in in terms of it's just the nicotine in a cigarette that is bad for you, and oh, is that why? Oh, in a in a cigarette or in the in the vape? In in a cigarette specifically. So, like when you're comparing it to a vape, a high nicotine level would just be accentuating the bad parts of a cigarette. Or is it? There's other chemicals yeah. in the tobacco. Obviously, a, a cigarettes. Um, oh, they they must add like ninety plus, um, yeah. other chemicals with your like drying of the tobacco and yeah, like you buy a you buy a thirty gram pouch and it um. It stays fresh until you finished it. The tobacco is still sort of moist, and the shit they put on it to make it do that is uh, good. Yeah, I don't like to think about when I'm having a nice smoke. Yeah, but um, so that's why people thought vaping was inherently healthier because yeah. um, the two main ingredients of vape juice is propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin, which are both FDA approved as uh, for like food safe. Items and you can find propylene glycol in like almost everything. Yeah. It's um it's so commonly used as is vegetable glycerin, um, with a flavor concentrate and nicotine added. Um and yeah, so so the FDA approved those ingredients as a food, like as for ingestion, but 
what goes in what goes into that FDA approved things? Oh, they just I, get rid I, of through tests that are it's like food grade. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't <laughs> tend to concern myself too much with the no, American I mean, it, it, some products. It seems like oh, it's FDA approved. It's it's all good, but it just we've seems... got um, at at work we've got. Uh, male performance enhancer pills. Yes, called. oh, the, yeah, the ones you saw. Used to <laughs> and they, you they say they've got a big fat label on the front that says FDA approved. And it's, <laughs> That's kind of why I brought up the uh, FDA yeah, thing because it, it was like, well, what does that actually mean? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. Safe to ingest. Really, uh, so it's it? it's three liters that makes something sound much safer than yeah. it probably truly is. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think the lack of with vaping, especially the. There's lots of research around those two compounds, but nothing really has been done on uh, what happens with those two compounds when both of them combined are made into an aerosol at a high temperature. Um, and there was there was a study that came out in the towards the latter end of 2019. Um, they what did they do? So they got a sample size of non-smokers and vapors who had never smoked or vaped in their lives. And they gave them a just a small vape, uh, tobacco flavor, no nicotine. Um, and they took 15 three-second puffs. Right. And they took measurements before and after. And I don't think I've got the numbers exactly right, but um, like compared to beforehand, uh, afterwards their on average their um, blood like their venous oxygen levels were down like thirty three percent venous uh, oxygen so levels. like like the, just the blood and right. like the oxygen in your veins which is obviously going to your brain and oh, to, they, to oh, your serious. muscles yeah, yeah. sure um thirty three percent which is sounds pretty that's huge yeah. that's 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 a lot um the time it took your uh your blood to speed up to its normal speed after, a, say, a compression around the arm or something, um, it took like 41% longer to speed up to its normal rate and your veins dilated 37% less than they should. Yeah. And that's that's no nicotine. And nicotine's a vacoconstrictor, like, in and of itself. That's that's what nicotine does, <laughs> increases your blood pressure. Yeah. And this is no nicotine. Um, Shit. And, like, over over time with vaping... I'd not like because I go out and like skate for fitness and yeah, um, do other th like just and, and other things as well. I noticed that I was getting really tired like quite quickly, um, and I had like far less than I had had been previously. Yeah, and I my my activity levels haven't hadn't changed throughout that same time period, and it. I don't know, it sort of illustrated exactly what those stats said in the report. Right. Um, and that that's just with a that's a single time use. Um, yeah. So that's that's that has no bearing on say users of three years. Yeah. Um, there was another paper that came out, which is the I think the only one that's been released regarding long term use of a vape. Uh, and a very vague here, but apparently it, um, because of the chemical that's formed when your propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin are made into an aerosol, it starts to damage, like damage the the linings of your veins. Yeah. 
to what extent they don't know yet and to what effect they still don't know. Yeah. Very scary. Yeah. So that's a um So so in a nutshell, yeah. the the vaping is is doing what a cigarette will do, but just worse. So it's stopping oxygen in your blood. So you're tiring quicker when you're doing physical activity. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, no, completely. Um so like with, with smoking, that's see this is oh yeah. So like that's the thing with smoking. Everyone knows the risks now. It's widely publicized. You know, smoking just correlates straight to yeah. cancer yeah. and a whole host of other other problems. But the problem is with vaping is it's I in in my opinion, I think in like a few decades we're going to see a very similar thing happen uh, to smoking and how that mm. was portrayed in like in the public eye yeah. and how the media portrayed it. Because um, now it's, a, as I said before, it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. There's, there's, you've got um, Vapo stands at all of the big festivals giving out freebies that have the nicks holding them, so like huge amounts of nicotine. Right. Um, and it's portrayed as cool, especially among young people. Um, and as a result, you've got so many people that are doing it for the sake of, just for the sake of doing it, yeah. that have never smoked beforehand. The trend side of it. Yeah, exactly. And this, one of the worst bits about this is that, um, see, obviously we see like the um, university-aged side of that. Yeah. That trickles down uh, and it is exacerbated in high schools. Right. Um, even at, I, like, I went to a small high school in Nelson and my brother is still there and he said that it's, most of them will, will vape. And we'll vape the high nicotine stuff. They'll just go into the bathrooms. They'll just take a toilet break and go vape in the bathroom. Yeah. So it's it's not okay in schools. Like, is that the reason they're doing it in the bathroom? Like, oh vape's yeah, not allowed, hell no, yeah. no, definitely not. It's um by like faculties of schools, it's being regarded as a bit of an epidemic. But obviously, I don't can't speak for all schools, but from what I see there. Um, the way they're trying to combat that is it's vast similarities to trying to like stop the usage of any other substance. It's yeah. just a hard no ban. Yeah. There's no education. There's, yeah. It's just if you see it, it's confiscated. If they see it, it's confiscated. You're sent to the office. Yeah. And then the person who got like 15 bottles of the 60 meg from his older brother and is selling it at school for twice as much. Yeah. Is still selling it at school. So how, how what would be the right way of doing that? I mean, I understand there's a whole aspect of that where because it is so frowned upon or not frowned upon banned, you know, and there's such strict mm. regulations around it, it's almost an incentive for those kids to do it more. You know, yeah, it is a bad exactly, thing. Exactly, because be it's cool. Ass. It's cool, but it's not like, see, smoking... Smoking was romanticized in the same way. It was, you know, smoking was cool and there was always the cool kids at high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Well, that, that's basically the aspect that has come out of vaping. It's the it's the cool part of, like, exhaling smoke and that whole cool thing, but you're not actually, well, in theory, or at least why people aren't doing it is because there's no bad side to it. Exactly. You're just you're vaping the, something. It's but, the misconception that it's yeah. healthy. Well, it's um, just like when in the 50s, you know, 
doctors were giving people cigarettes because they thought they were good for them. It's the same with vaping. Yep. It's a fairly new thing. So no, no one really has any medical sort of <laughs> proper advice yeah. to give anyone. So it is technically good or better at least until proven otherwise. So yeah, exactly. What was that? Like, 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 like nine out of 10 doctors smoke Lucky Strike. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, the irony. Yeah. So that's, that, that's the problem. Is, yeah. it's, and the, like with the government le- legislation as well, because um, they've just introduced a new act that prohibits the sale of uh, any flavors except for tobacco, menthol tobacco, and mint outside of registered specialist vape stores. So that's all your dairies, right. gas stations. They can only sell those flavors now. Tobacco and tobacco, mint. menthol tobacco, mint. and mint. Yeah, which I think is good, um, and it. Uh, takes potential like people who are actually wanting to quit smoking out of, um, or it it makes them. Oh, I see. It makes yeah. it makes them go into like a a registered specialist vape shop, so they can go somewhere where they're going to actually be getting the proper advice. Yeah, exactly, and they're going to be educated about the risks, or depending on what vape shop you go into. Yeah, a lot of vape store workers are still adamant that it's. A okay to vape, yeah. no consequences, which is quite dangerous. Right. So taking those yummy flavors away from those stores stops kids coming in and yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. and um, yeah, I mean, most if if people are going to buy it <laughs> to sell it at schools, they'll get someone to come into like yeah. somewhere like Shosha or Cosmic anyway, because there's so much more of a range. There's an age restriction with buying vape. Yeah, products, completely. Isn't it? It's at eighteen plus. 18 plus yeah. yeah, so it's illegal to sell. To anyone uh, under eighteen, right. um, it's actually quite funny. We get um, I've had quite a few run-ins with very angry mums <laughs> who have uh, stormed into the store and uh, given me an earful for selling a vape to her sixteen-year-old son. <laughs> it's like, well, sorry, actually, <laughs> sorry, miss, I did not sell that. Someone bought it for him yeah he paid them for it yeah oh, man <laughs> something you got to talk to him about yeah well i mean what what can you what can you do i mean the things that yeah, exactly are, with these sort of rules around products like these it's there's always going to be people that are going to be selling it to people who can't buy it so yeah exactly of course they're exactly. going to say they got it from a store rather than some random dude on the corner you know yeah <laughs> and i think um see i think if as far as i'm aware the um the people who are making this legislation surrounding vaping haven't done a whole lot of research and talked with people in the industry right. about what they about what they see going on. Um, because then you get laws like that, and they want to plain package right. all vape, like all liquid. Which, yes, I think I think that would be good, um, but. A whole a whole part of vaping as well, isn't it? It looks cool. Oh yeah, like you, that you go in and there's all these products the and colors on the, the yeah. boxes. And, and if you're being told that's okay for you, that makes it even more appealing. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, that would be really, it's like I wonder a, what that would look like, like. a lolly store. Yeah, because yeah. well, it's not like a pack of cigarettes that are all really of the same size. They just have different prints on them with vape products. There's so many different shapes and sizes. What the hell would that even yep. look like? You just have clear bottles with a black label on them. Oh no, that does, that'll um, that'll come in boxes. So the bottle would be in a box, and that. Personally, I think the colors are awesome. The um, the plain packaging colors, the oh, yellow yeah, yeah. and yellow yeah. and yeah. Nah, simple, like isn't it? Yeah, mud, there's a certain mud green to it. That, yeah, <laughs> but, um, 
it would it would be really strange to walk into a store and see all of the shelves because we have everything out on display. Um, that, that's the point. It's all on display, so it all looks nice. But just seeing that all, just that block color. Yeah. Um, I think that would um, detract from like the uninitiated wanting to go and pick up a vape so much. Right. Um, but it's also jumping straight to things like that, which is a uh, quote unquote, unquote solution mm. for people smoking so much. Um, it's missing out on like, you can still buy 60 meg juice, which is stupid. Yeah. There's like even the heaviest smoker would have their like nicotine uh, requirements exceeded with like a 20 meg if they were vaping it in in the right vape. Yeah, because um, what's the rough nicotine amount in like one cigarette? Like so a in, a, cigarette? in a tailie, um, in, a, in a standard tailie like a Marlboro Red, there's, I think there's around nine megs, nine milligrams. Oh, oh, less than I thought. Yeah, um, but obviously half of that blows off the end yeah, yeah. while you're smoking it. Right. And smoke is... Smoke compared to vapor is quite an inefficient transfer method. Yeah, of hence like why you people can smoke a pack a day because so, they need. Yeah, yeah, because you so you're, you're actually getting not that much nicotine if you smoke a pack a day. Right. So um, what would what would any logical reason be behind buying a sixty nicotine? There's juice? none. There's none. None at all. Well, people want it. People want it for the head spins. Oh sure. That's that's pretty much why they get it. So who who gets to make that and what? There's there's no obviously systems in place that sort of limit the amount that goes in? Are these no. sort of just third-party companies that are making it? Yep. So um, a lot of it's made in, made in the States. Um, so we get a lot of our, our juice in from the States, which is what I recommend to people because it's good quality. Right. Um, other than that, it's made in China Yeah. pretty much. Just in labs. They're all like approved, tested labs and everything. Yep. But there's, there's no regulatory system, so you can put as much nicotine as you want on it. Um, and this, see, this wasn't an issue before salts became uh, became like so prevalent because as with like the freebase juice, which is your standard vape juice that you put in, that was used pretty much forever, um, you'd get levels like 3, 6, 12, yeah. 18. Yeah. And by the time you get up to 18, that's ridiculously harsh. Right. Like it's really hard. Like it's, it makes you want to vomit. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so with the salts... There was this company called Solace, and they'd, they'd, they've actually been making them for ages, but they just never caught on. Um, and they, they, so it's instead of just adding the pure nicotine chemical to the vape juice, they add the salt of the nicotine chemical. Right. So it's got a few extra bits and pieces hanging off the molecule, which means that when you vape it at high, higher concentrations, it's far, far smoother. Right. So since you can, since there's no like taste and feeling associated with going higher strengths, for someone who's not sort of used to that much nicotine, a 20 meg will taste smooth, a 60 meg will taste smooth. And the only effect you'll get is the, the body feeling of that much nicotine. That's interesting. Which to get, to get like huge, you know, like, because there's, there's, Head spin like you haven't had a ciggy for a while, and then you yeah. pick up. Someone gives you a tailie, and you go, "Whoa!" Yeah. But if you you pick up a sixty meg vape, 
and if you're not used to that much, you'll take a hoot on it and you have to lie down and like it feels like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Jeez, I I don't know. I've had like tastes of people's vapes here and there. I've never owned a vape or I bought like a little vape pen years ago, but that was just for the fuck of it. It wasn't for yep. any reason yeah. at all. But yeah, I, I just remember all the harsh times that I've had a vape and it's been like, holy cow. It's not necessarily been like a – I probably didn't do it properly to be fair, but it was just the heat of it and sort of that, that yeah. harshness in your throat that was just like I can't actually breathe that in because it was just so oh, so yeah. hot from that burning and everything. So, what, yeah, <laughs> I don't get buzzes from cigarettes anymore, so I can't imagine what mm. a 60 – it's pretty outrageous. Would be like, yeah. I have to test them because people bring them into oh, really? bring them into work sometimes, uh, like with a complaint about it. Yeah, and I have to assess the vape and then test it out. Normally with their with their juices in it, and um, it's not nice. It's not a pleasant feeling. No, it doesn't sound like it. But, um, <laughs> You're doing that all day, every day. I guess it's. I would actually liken it to quite a. Um, I think the the liking of that feeling comes from a similar place to nags right um which personally i don't like nags it's not something that makes me feel nice yeah it just feels like you've st- like stood up like stood anything. up too fast yeah. for yeah. 30 seconds and you've paid 20 bucks for 10 of them mm. which is ridiculous but i think it comes from that same place it's just the you want to take a huge hit of something and then yeah spin out yeah and this is most prevalent among like first and second year uni students right i find that within Especially like with amongst all my friends, no one's using anything like that. Um, like thirty, pretty normal. Yeah. Um, and the, see, the thing is with like these levels as well, because thirty-five and fifty was the like the original two strengths when Nixol first came out. Yeah. And if you're if you're a very heavy smoker, you want to go straight from cigarettes. To vaping, and to assure that you don't go back to smoking cigarettes, the the fifty might be good because since your body's used to that higher nicotine level, when you do, if you do like uh, break and you shit, I want a ciggy. Yeah, you're not going to get anything from it. There's no, there's like there isn't that feeling of release. Like oh yes, cigarette. It just tastes like shit. Yeah, and you don't get any buzz from it. Um, and then. Like, which is good because then you're off the cigarettes. But then you have to drop down the nicotine strengths and mm. quit vaping. And that's the hard bit. Yeah, so it's it's not replacing cigarettes. It's a tool to stop you from doing both. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's why you're able to, like, that. that's why you're supposed to drop down the nicotine strengths. Right. Um, so, you, so you can't even recommend that high of a nicotine level to someone who's trying to quit like you couldn't like say if someone was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day Mm -hmm. you can't give them like a super high level nicotine vape to sort of make up for the amount that they're getting in that day from that one hit it has to be like a gradual thing does that make sense like so say like a, a cigarette is i suppose you were saying you're not getting the full nicotine level in one cigarette at a time yeah but you're making up for that by having more cigarettes. So you're having that amount of cigarettes in the day, yep. you're going to get a certain amount. So you can't amount what you would get from a day's worth of cigarette smoking from one vape juice or like a couple of vape hits. 
No, so like it's measured in, um, so like you've got the milligram strengths, that's measured per mil of juice. Right. So it's, um, it's quite hard to equate what strength you would use of a vape juice okay. to how much you are smoking. So you're not determining that based on how much someone is smoking, it's just a general sort of rule. Yeah, or, I mean, if someone comes in and, they are, and they're saying, I want to quit smoking, um, the first thing I'll ask is, how much do you smoke a day or, right. or a week? Yeah. Um, and I find that I'm able to recommend strengths based on how I see, uh, how I see their attitude towards their smoking. Right. Because um, I don't know. I think it's um, like a popular belief is that when it comes to quitting with a vape, is that it's the nicotine. Shit! I need this level of nicotine because I need to quit and then drop down my nicotine strengths. That's yeah. not, it's not even half of it. Yeah. You could, like most of the people that come in, I could say, they go, oh, can I, can I have a 40 meg? Okay. If I was to give them oh. a 20 meg and they didn't know, yeah. they wouldn't notice the difference. Right. Because it's, obviously, you might, you're going to be hitting the vape a little bit more. Yeah. But the, the nicotine and how that affects you isn't the most addictive part. Okay. Um, it's the action of having something to puff on. Right. And like the little habits that you've got about times where you might, after doing this, you might go for a, go for a smoke. Like me, for example, I go down, I get a coffee in the morning at mm. a similar time and I have my coffee, my cigarette. And yeah. it's, it's very um, cement, cemented that way. Yeah, for sure. But um, I feel like since it's, since the the possibility and the methodology of quitting is made, um, well, what's apparent to, of how to do that is to is the numbers. You see the numbers, and that's what you think. Yeah, right. you think nicotine needs to be dropped down slowly. If you really wanted to, you could go on a like a, like a six meg, yeah, and then use that for a bit. Go to a zero. Keep doing that. And so you'd be having more, like, what What are you giving your average Joe that's coming in and is legitimately wanting to quit smoking? Like some some middle-aged guy comes and he's been smoking 25 years. Yeah. Um, I'd recommend him a small vape that's going to have a similar sort of airflow um, and vapor production to yeah. an actual cigarette and maybe a 25 meg if he's smoking a pouch a week. Oh, okay. So it's, um, so you, you are, that's, yeah. that's higher than what he's getting anyway. Right. Um. But you'd be, would you be having that vape at 25 as much as you would be smoking? Uh, see, that's up to you. Is that quite a, it's quite a different, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, it's different for everyone. Yeah. Um, I find it, I don't know if I could um, comment on that so much because my entire work life over the last few years has been, I'm able to vape 24-7. Yeah. I go into work and it's just... Yeah, I'm in the vape store, yeah. which is terrible and makes it very hard to sort of curb that. Yeah. But um, at least though you have the knowledge and you've obviously made the decision to stop because you know what it's doing and you you obviously have a wide knowledge base on what you should and shouldn't be doing with it. So even though you are doing it all day, you're in that environment all day, there's still that part of you that's that knows what's happening and you're obviously making a decision to, to sort of draw back at least. Yeah, and I think... If I was to quit, which I plan on doing soon, um, it's been far too long. Yeah. Um, so you're just quitting. You're still going to be smoking. 
Um, see, this is quite this is quite interesting because <laughs> it um it actually costs for the the amount that I will comfortably smoke now um costs me less per week than vaping. Right, and I don't with my experience with vaping, I don't think I'm going to be able to use that uh, effectively to come off or to stop my addiction with inhaling right. things in my day-to-day -day life. Because um, vaping, as I said, I can do anywhere, which is dangerous right. and makes it very hard to exert control yeah. upon those habits. Whereas smoking... Obviously, you're very limited to where you can, sure, and how often you can. Yeah, and, okay, um, that makes sense. And I'm I'm not one to smoke lots anymore. Yeah, um, sort of. I used to smoke lots, but now it's very easily controllable. Yeah. So so I go. I smoke half a pouch a week at the moment. Um, with with vaping as well, um, but that's soon soon to stop. I've dropped down to my final stop of my nicotine levels and right. then straight quitting. Okay. And yeah, um, see another thing with that as well is with smoking, even though it's, who knows if it's worse for you or not, it's still very, very bad for you. Yeah. Um, but... Because you've got the whole smoke inhalation thing as well. Yeah. You know, the so the effects with smoking are known. Like yeah. it's, it's studied it's and there. it's... So you know what you're in for yeah. if you continue to do it. Whereas vaping, I don't like um, the fact that I'm like just putting myself deeper and deeper into something that may lead mm. to some really, really fucked medical sure. condition in 30 sure. years. Yeah, that's so true. We don't know the super long-term effects from, exactly. from vaping. Yeah, And I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather um, for now until I'm free of my vices... I'd rather continue with something that I am well aware of the risks of, um, <laughs> even though the risks are yeah. fucking life-threatening. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, do then you think something that I'm completely unaware of how it could yeah, pan out for sure. Yeah. So, do you think you're gonna the smoking is gonna sort of tail off as well, or do you think? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Eventually. So, just quit the vaping. Continue smoking and sort of try and exit that. Yeah, it's hard I guess, to say though. I mean, <laughs> exactly. someone, you know, people our age that are doing that all the time. It's it's something that's pretty not ingrained in us, but you know, we're getting our decent fix of it every week. Oh so yeah, hard to give that. I I'm never going to say that. Like I I don't I don't know whether to call myself a smoker or not. I would say probably yes, but I'm not ever buying tobacco, so I don't know if that accounts for anything. But I feel like I'm always going to have a cigarette at some point in my life. Like there's always going to be times where I feel like having a cigarette. I don't think I'm ever going to go cold turkey and never have one again. And yeah. I don't want to tell myself that because what if I want to have one at some point? You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think it can be, especially from like that, um, from how, like how you're doing it like that, or just not buying. But yeah. if someone offers you a cigarette, it's fine. Um, it's nicer it, that way too, it's to a, have that one. That's um, yeah, that right some, something to savor with friends sure. in, a, in a social setting, which yeah. is the uh, one of the biggest alert, like allures of smoking in, oh, the, 100%. in the first place. Yeah, and, the, and when you're drinking as well, it makes it all the more better. There's, <laughs> oh, there's yeah. science behind that. There's something that alcohol oh, yeah. does to you that actually makes you want the tobacco more. If you've had that sort of luxury before, 
or I say luxury, something that your body's used to, <laughs> yeah. there's an itching that is being created by that alcohol to make you want to have that cigarette. And, and you can really feel it. Yeah. You're out, you're out yeah. for a drink and you're like, oh, yeah. You see someone smoking. <laughs> your heart, I don't know what it is that I it. like about smoking anymore. Like I, I love to have a cigarette and a coffee or a cigarette and a beer, but I don't get that buzz. That yep. doesn't happen for me. And I don't, I'm, it's probably just because I'm sort of somewhat immune to it now, but I think like it's more, yeah, I don't know what it is. I think it's just the act of doing it. Yeah, and do the taste like, doesn't bother me. I like the taste. It's, it's, it's a calming thing. It's a nice activity to do, but I, it's not like I need a cigarette because I need to wake up or anything, you know? It doesn't have that effect on me anymore. And I think that's a really good illustration of um, the the comfort and the habit rather yeah. than the chemical addiction, yeah. like the dependency, um, physiological dependency. It's much more of a feels nice when, yeah. you're, when you do this. Yeah, it's, that's um, really it's, all it it's is. It's comforting. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes it plays into a stress side of things, but I don't – I can't gauge my own stress these days. I don't think I've really been in a, you know, super stressful situation. I know when I'm stressed – but I, times that I feel like I want to have a cigarette, but I'm not having a coffee or having a drink, I don't know what it is then yeah. that's making me want that cigarette. I just sort of know then and there. And it's, I don't know if it's an anxiety thing or a stress thing, but there's something that makes me want to have that. And sometimes it's just the smell and perhaps it is just mm. a taste thing, but there's something about just having a cigarette at a certain time if you're not smoking it always or buying it that much. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that could be like a, like a, I, I feel like, throughout like pop culture and how smoking relates to it do you think that comes from a um i don't know i feel like it's portrayed like smoking has always been portrayed as a as a stress reliever and it's such a common um i feel like it's a really easy image to conjure as someone any given person oh shit stressed Mm. (sighs) go outside cigarette yeah Calm down. Yeah. Just the the ease, just the... Mm. Yeah. I feel like that how it's portrayed, especially throughout media, can... Um, it can make it be a stress ease because even though it's not something you're naturally, mm. like, of your own accord... Uh, yeah, if consi- you've never smoked yeah, before consider to be something that'll, like, ease your stress... Yeah. You just you just know, and that's just what you're associated with. Mm. And then, as a result, call a placebo. Yeah, you're less stressed yeah. after you've had your cigarette. That's so true. It probably is the placebo effect. Yeah, and it, it, I think that probably is a lot of the time. But I think more than anything, for me personally, it is really just the act of it. Sometimes I just want to come home from a day of work and just have a cigarette, just yep. for the fuck of it. Like, I, I think sometimes it is as simple <laughs> as that, just having a cigarette. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh. Exactly. But you're right. I think it does do something. Yeah, it's a placebo in a way. It's 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 you're 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 doing something to counter whatever it is you're feeling. You're you're sort of giving yourself that reassurance that you've done an act to take away a certain feeling or emotion. Yep. You know exactly. Yeah. As yeah, as you said, you're just you're just telling yourself that subconsciously yep. before before you partake, and then it just does the trick. Yeah. Speak of the devil. Do you want a cigar? Cigar. 
I might take a very brief bathroom break. Yeah, first. go for it, man. Do you find? I'm not so well versed on my cigars. No, I nor am I. I but I, I like the the non-inhalation <laughs> side of it. Yeah. Because sometimes you can have a cigarette and just feel. Bleh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Nicotine actually changes how the brain responds to alcohol, which means more alcohol is needed before you get the same feel-good response that a non-smoker gets after a couple of drinks. Meanwhile, the alcohol increases the level of feel-good chemicals produced in the brain by nicotine. Ah, interesting. Amazing. Science. It makes a whole lot of sense. Do you have people coming in often buying weed vapes? Uh, actually, the um, it's quite funny. The biggest demographic for dry herb vapes is seemingly affluent mid forties to sixty-year-olds. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think a lot of them appear to not have. Uh, a lot of them appear to not have like smoked much weed in general, but now in their later age are wanting to try it out in a in a healthier way, right. which are far healthier. Yeah. Weed vapes are um, amazing. It's the it's the ideal way to. Well, you're taking the the smoke out of the equation, aren't you? Exactly. It's um it's quite literally hot air yeah. that's passed through what you've ground up. Yeah, I, I had one once. It was a little pen one, and I, I don't really know if it did anything at all. It sort of just felt like, yeah, you're just pulling in hot air, and it was like, do I, what, do I, what am I doing here? Yeah. You sort of just have to wait out to see if the effects take place. So you'll find a lot of those um, those old small ones are actually just a, like a coil of wire that's pressed up against what you've ground up. Right. Um, so it's still combustion, essentially. So you're not getting really too many benefits um, okay. then like, instead of just smoking it's smoking a joint reasonably close to this yeah so there's not too many benefits from those ones but um, the new ones that have come out you can get them for a really good price and they work re like really really well yeah. um, and you don't I've, I've gone off smoking weed a lot yeah. I haven't um, I used to smoke a lot of weed Mainly, um, obviously recreationally, yeah. yeah. But um, like helping with my sleep was sure. a large part of it. Yeah. Um, but it always always leaves me feeling terrible the next morning, and I find that when I when I smoke like combustion, like really red eyes and the mm. scrunched up face and the yeah. whole you know, you just get the really really baked. Yeah. Whereas um the the vapes are way like way cleaner. Way cleaner. It's a much clearer feeling, and you feel like you're getting the pot, like the the actual benefits from it, rather than oh, I'm gonna smoke a joint and then yeah, just lie on my and bed. Yeah, and I suppose you can limit the amount that you're getting sort of any given yep. time with the vape as well. Do you think you're gonna be you're gonna see an influx of people come in if this referendum goes through? Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, yep. Your business is going to take off. Oh it? yeah, yeah. It's um, I know. I'm planning on leaving um by the end of this year. 
but if something happens that in my life and I end up staying, it's going to be crazy. Yep. Where I'm opening a few new stores as dedicated dispensaries. Okay. Um, so yeah, well, be you quite... can essentially open up another sort of chain of store dedicated to that. Uh huh. Yep. Because or... we we can't. Um, I think the the new bill says, or the proposed bill says, that you can't be selling uh, any cannabis products in the same place you are selling paraphernalia or uh, tobacco products. So this is currently. Uh, this is if if the referendum passes. Oh, okay. Um, you are not able to sell any cannabis products with in the same place as tobacco, any tobacco products really? or um, any paraphernalia. Right. They've got to be standalone dispensaries. Um, That's so interesting. As, as far as I know, I but hope I can recall correctly. Okay, so if you are someone that wants to get involved with it, if, it, if and when it becomes legal, legal yep. and you go into a store and you buy some weed, how do you smoke it? <laughs> You've got to go to another store. <laughs> that seems silly. Yep. Um, it is interesting, and this is uh, this is obviously the same the same government who's making those um, vaping bills, right? But yeah, I don't, I've got, I've got no idea what's going to happen. That's so interesting. I wonder how. <laughs> There's got to be some way that you can at least get like some papers in there or something. See, yeah, there, there there must be right. I think honestly. Um, I'm under the impression that as soon as it sort of comes into effect, um, Shosha, in true Shosha style, is just going to start uh, operating as a dispensary within the existing stores until right. they get told to stop. Yeah. Okay. Which, yeah, not surprising. Not something that I... Well, um, I mean, the store's there. It's doing what it's doing. Yeah, exactly. Already, you know. Yeah. You don't want to have to wait until... You can um, sort of pounce on the market, I suppose. Yeah, I um, yeah, I'm really, really interested to see what happens if this goes through. Yeah. I've got no idea how it's going to, like, from from my perspective, from what I see every day, I've, I have no idea how that's going to change the, you know, the the people that I, that I see every day yeah, yeah. and how the how the market's going to work and yeah. what the sort no, of... No, not I have no idea what the hell's going to happen. perception's going to be yeah. of that. Yeah. One thing that's quite disconcerting is the amount of people that come through and they talk about, oh, it's going to be so good when it's legalised, bro. <laughs> My first question is, are you enrolled to vote? Yeah. And then... The most common response I get is along the anything along the lines of "Oh, oh, you got to enrol." It's like shit, Jesus, yeah. shit. So um, people just have no idea, right? Yeah, exactly. So I've I've um, I've taken it taken it upon myself to put up heaps of you know, go vote signs yep. like all the in the store. Yeah, in yep. the store. So I've got all the enrolment forms just by the FPOS machine, so yep. that people can. If oh, they see it, can yeah. take it and enrol because Fantastic. as as most people, or a lot of people are, as you know, um, we are the most underrepresented age group mm. in the country, mm. even though we're this, uh, I don't know about all of New Zealand, but um, we're one of the one of the largest voting groups. Yeah. Um, 
behind 65 plus. And something like 30, 35% of 20 to 30 year olds or something like that aren't enrolled. Aren't enrolled to it's vote. Like, it's it's scary. not hard. It's really not hard at all. You just have to put in your details. The hardest part is getting your driver's license out of your wallet. <laughs> exactly. You know? Just put it in and then t- yeah. turn up and vote. Yeah. It's it also it really confuses me how it's often the same people that complain about so many things. They complain about their their bosses and public transport and taxes and they complain about all this stuff. Um and then aren't just super excited to go out and vote and have yeah. their have their say. Because um, currently you can you can only vote by going to a voting station or mailing it. Is that right? I think so. This will be my first time voting. So oh, true. Yeah. Very so young, I, yeah. yeah. Um, I was. Uh, my birthday was two days after the last election. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I didn't miss out on that one. Yeah. But because I feel like there's obviously a reason why they why it's done the way it's done now, where you have to physically go somewhere and it's sort of, you know, segregated and done in an appropriate manner and they get the yeah. sort of info then and there. But I feel like if you're gonna if you want to get young people voting, there has to be some sort of system place where you can do it by yourself at home online. You know? That's the thing, right? But Obviously, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole plethora of struggles that come with legitimizing, making sure every vote is legitimate. Yeah, for sure. Knowing where it actually comes from. Yeah, exactly. That's true. But there's got to be something like that. That's going to be a huge part of it as well. As silly as it sounds, there'll just be so many people that that might enroll, but not actually physically go down to a place to vote. Like people won't even take the time to do that. It's such a surprising, almost shocking fact that it's not like a public holiday yeah everyone gets off work to go yeah voting and day. vote mm. yeah yeah I, yeah that's I, so true you i find, find that really strange how you've got to like because some people I, I think i think it's over a few days right it must be um but at least one of those days should be a public public holiday yeah for sure and like because if you've got a a voting day yeah and everyone's off work does that not put it and like put it more into the public eye than anything else you could do? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm, maybe maybe we can vote on it. <laughs> the irony. Yeah, mm. there's there's got to be some other way of doing it. I mean, no, it's not hard, and people just need to get off their ass and do it. But yeah, you've got to cater to a generation of people that live on their phones and their laptops. And there's yep. surely something that can be done, even if it's like you, you know, you 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 fill it out at home and you print it off and send it away. I, I don't know how that legitimises it, but there's got to be something, something you can do that takes away the physical aspect of going and, and voting. You know, exactly. But yes, uh, and it, my first thought is just I can do it. Like it's not hard to do. Yeah. You just find out which place is close to you. You go down and you do it. But that's the thing. You have to you, you have to find out. Yeah. That's that's oh, the thing, God. and there's so and hard, isn't it? there's such a huge number, huge number of people like even like in New Zealand that they don't have this information presented to them. Mm. It's, it's sorry, bro, can you talk to the mic or pull it closer to you? Of course. Keep forgetting about that. <laughs> so like they have a 
Uh, they d- they just don't have the information presented to them, and their like their social environment, their home environment, yeah. might not be somewhere where that is ever talked about. And I feel like the traditional uh, sort of avenues of advertisement for voting is I don't know. It's, it seems like it's targeted at a very specific demographic and that's the people yeah. who <laughs> get the newspapers every day to their house and yeah, absolutely yep you know yeah. watch the news watch one news every night yeah it's also it's also you know people of that age range have been voting for years you know it's it's second nature to go and vote and and do that sort of thing and and people from that generation have a very strong opinion about political things anyway so they they feel the need to to have to do it. It's 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 not a choice. They they will go and vote. Yeah. Whereas the younger generation, it's a new thing to do. If you know, it's someone like yourself, not specifically, but just of your age range that hasn't yeah. voted before. Exactly. It's a whole new thing to figure out how to do it. So it, it is scary to go. Oh, so so what do I do? Where do I go? You know, how is this done? Um, and a lot of people don't know how they feel about any political views anyway. So they don't know who to vote for. So even even like. Uh, what did, I, what did I see? I saw a na- just a national ad come up on my Facebook um, and it said the wording was, I, ha- I have to say it was quite clever. Um, it's like uh, regarding the environment, it said, we will look after our backyard and had a an equally as, you know, Kiwi advertisement sounding statement and I went onto the website to look at the specific policy that referenced and yeah. there's there's maybe five points and it's they're 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 like they're nothing points. It's like we'll mm. we'll we'll just uh, really dry comments. It just sounds like some, it something to do with like there was one with, with like uh we're gonna make two new national parks in places of the South Island national that are National parks, <laughs> two new places in the south. Or what was it? Uh, in the Catlins and somewhere else. It's like great. Yes, there was one of the points. There's stuff about uh, hunting, like oh, we're t- we're making oh, like red red tar are now like uh, able to be hunted at a different time in the year, and it's. Dude, those things are crazy. It's I'd never heard of those things until recently. The tars. The, the tars? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck. They're awesome, eh? Okay, they're goat from your nightmare. They're awesome beasts. <laughs> it's, um, are they are they like fairly common? Uh in in the South Island, yeah, yeah. Up in the high country. Wow. They're um they're not close to extinction or anything, because like I always wonder when I see animals like that sort of thing, how have I never seen that before? Something that's native to this country, how have I never seen that? They're, um, I'm not sure if they're. I've got no no idea about the status of them. Um, what do we, you call we, red tars? Yeah, we've um. I've seen quite a few of them when like, I'd be out in the out in the wops with my dad when I was young. Yeah. That is not the result I wanted. T T A H R. Oh, it is too. Fuck. Whoa. Yeah, dude, look at these fucking things. That's them, eh? Yeah, that's the one. Shit. Yeah, so they're not they're, so they're not endemic to New Zealand. They mustn't be. But No. 
They're, yeah, wow. Yeah, I can't remember where else you find them, but they are fucking beasts. Look at that compared to that dude. Oh, they're 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 grand. You see, you see them like you're 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 parked up across the across the side of one of yeah. a valley or something, and you look across and there's just this like this amazing <laughs> animal just perched yeah. up on this impossibly vertical vertical rock. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and right. It's, yeah, beautiful. Anyway, really beautiful. sorry to, <laughs> but you were saying. Was I? <laughs> Something about, I can't remember. Just got thinking about, thinking about tar and beautiful, beautiful South Island landscapes. <laughs> oh, you were oh, talking national, about the parks, yeah, the national parks. national parks. <laughs> yeah, it was all of the national points to do with the environment. They were like, they're all such nothing, nothing points that won't make any tangible change. Yeah. Or, I mean, obviously it's just a it's a front, so it just appears that they're caring about it. Yeah. Um, so they can, so they can get the get that that side of you know that demographic who may be like concerned about the environment, but mm. they're, they're, they're you know yeah yeah New Zealanders and they care about their hunting and the. It's oh, very yeah. easy to word something a certain way to appeal to a certain demographic. Oh great, we're getting a national park. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Not, not, nothing like the fact that like eighty some like ridiculous percentage of our all of our national waterways are unsuitable for swimming in. Yeah, which is, I feel like n not a lot of people know that. No, which is uh, so like adjacent to the idea of, or it's like, so adverse to the how you think of New Zealand and its mm. waterways, mm. like. You think of New Zealand, you think beautiful streams and mountains yeah. and green and whatever. But it's all just farm runoff. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's terrible. So that's where it comes from. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, um, I think most of it's farm runoff. Right. From, from, what, from what I'm aware. I'm not yeah. too well educated no. on it. Where do you even, where do you even begin to, to stop that polluting oh. waterways? I think it's a. It obviously stems from New Zealand's um. What some would call the backbone of New Zealand, mm. Mm. the farm, the farms, for sure, for sure, all the cattle and which is not something sheep. that's going to be dying anytime soon, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Are you still skating much, man? You were saying before how you were um, giving up vaping because you weren't able to skate that much. I um. But you're going out a fair bit. Oh. So, I was skating quite a bit, um, quite a bit pre-lockdown, yeah. actually, and then lockdown happened, and I sort of fell into a bit of a rut, and then out of lockdown, things are all go again. Yeah, didn't really get too, or didn't find myself too much time to go out, but um, went to went on a trip to Wellington, which so was. Amazing! Yeah, it was a great time. Um, that was supposed to be for the Alex G concert. Uh, yeah. Um, but obviously that was cancelled in the yeah. whole post yeah. post lockdown sort of shenanigans. Yeah. There's some I, good um, spots there. Yeah, I went out. Well, I went out on my first night there, and I went down to the um, War Memorial. Yeah. And had a wee wee push around and a um, warm up, and then snap my dick straight away. <laughs> and that was at a time where money was quite short. Yeah. So you're fucked. Yeah, so I left my, I left it up there because one of my friends who I was staying with, their 
their sister or something wanted uh, the deck to do an art piece on. And oh, I was okay. like, yes, awesome. Sure, um, absolutely. So it took a while for my trucks to make their way back from Wellington <laughs> down to Dunedin. Right. But um, I got my old deck, found, found one of them, and I went out for a skate the other day, and it was, it was amazing. Yeah. So much fun. Who, who knew that physical activity makes you feel oh, dude. feel good? Yeah, absolutely. And especially after being, you know, in a lockdown like that. Not that you couldn't go outside, but it was still like... Did, did you find that you sort of... Were you, did you say you were skating much during lockdown? Uh, I, initially, I was. I tried yeah. to because I thought this is an excuse for me to... go Because I always, I always tell myself that I don't have the time. I'm working and then yeah. work's like, what, nine till eight? That's a whole day. It's a fucking big day, man. Or like 11 to late, either, either or. Um, so I thought, this is this is a time where I have to be doing this. you got no excuse, right? Exactly. Yeah, time's and, there. But then there was also the time for me to not have an excuse for everything that I've wanted to do for so long. And mm. that, that really does sort of pile up, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so do you think you're progressing with it? I guess that was sort of my main question. Like, yeah, I think um, the it's quite it's quite it's quite funny because like regular practice obviously is is key regular, yeah. but every time I have a quite a large break, I just come back, and everything that I was sort of struggling with for um, up until I stopped just comes really yeah. really nice Muscle and memory, yeah. yeah exactly really yeah. nice and easily. Um, but there is also the the fitness aspect to it. So like the first couple hours, because this was just a, a few days ago, maybe it was a week ago that I went out. Um, first couple hours, great, feeling awesome. And then you get into your, I was, I was out for like six hours. It, yep. was, it was amazing. But it gets very frustrating near the end because you're, you're so lethargic and yeah, you just sure. can't do it. And you, you think the vaping was taking a toll on that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just on, I don't, I don't do so much physical like activity yeah. anymore, un unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so that's really one of the only things you're getting, exercise-wise, anyway. So that's probably yeah, pretty much. Oh, and I, I bike, I bike to work. Bike, yeah, yeah. Bike around, you yeah. know, which is really good actually. Really good having a bike for sure. It's, it's an excuse for me to just be out. Do you still have your MX Five? Oh, it's at the panel beaters at the moment. Oh, what did you do? Oh, yeah. We had a um, we had a moment oh, in the rain. <laughs> oh, Tom, what did yeah. you do? It was um, I was coming down past past the back of um, the botanics. Yeah, it's quite wet. This is the first day that I got my car back from the panel beaters previously, <laughs> which was an unrelated problem. Yeah. Um, I just been out for a for a big drive, yeah, and it was awesome. I was out for like three hours, yeah. Um, Carl was feeling great. I was having a great time, and I just came into this corner and not going too fast, just a bit heavy on the brakes, so a little too much, to little too much steering angle, and the and your front wheels just slide like coming downhill as well, quite yeah. a sharp corner, and you're turning and then front traction gone yeah understeer um it's yeah and it was like as soon as i lost traction because i wasn't going that fast it would have been like 20 20k yeah 
So you're sliding and like really slow with your wheel turn. You're like, no, just stop, yeah, just stop, it. please, just, <laughs> just stop, <laughs> just stop. And then it just goes that little bit too far and yeah. you put your bumper into a Shit. wee concrete divot. Right, so it wasn't another car then, thank God, I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, I try not to go for spirited drives in places that have... Yeah. Um, much traffic around. Yeah, fair enough. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a shame, man. So how long has it been in the panel beaters for? Oh, um, a few weeks now. Good, great, though. I um, I enjoy the the break from instinctively, instinctively just using my car whenever I need to get anywhere. Sure, yeah. So now I'll walk, yeah. get on my bike. Oh, yeah. Which is, and I've, um, I've really been enjoying the bike, actually. Um a couple of days ago, it was just so sunny, so beautiful. And I took my half at work and just biked around in the sun. And mm. it was, I know it felt like summer. It was yeah. quite therapeutic, actually. You're still a motorhead at heart, though, aren't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. I've got, got my father to thank for that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Are you still part of that? You told me a while ago you were part of the, like, a Dunedin club for EVX5. So you're still involved with that? I, uh, so it's, it's like a Facebook group. Yeah. I, um, I joined it as soon as I found the group. Hoping that there'd be some, I don't know, like like-minded people, <laughs> yeah. um, like-minded as in nice people that appreciate uh, the art of driving and setting up a car to drive well, rather yeah. than typical Kiwi boganism that is so commonly associated with any sort of modified car yeah. whatsoever. Um, and unfortunately, didn't nothing eventuated. Right. I don't think it's a very active group. No. Okay. Um, it's the Christchurch group is nuts though. It's so they didn't have any meetups or anything here that often that you could nah, really go nah, to. No, nah, not to at all. Anyone. Not yeah. at all. Um, yeah, going to going to a car meet would be quite interesting. It's not something I've done before. No, not something I ever really heard of until <laughs> you mentioned it to me. So out of that that world. Yeah, it's um. I think it'd be quite cool. In in Christchurch, there's so many people, um, like like nice people yeah. that are into the same sort of aspects of car culture. Yeah, and they all meet up sometimes, and they just go for a nice drive on a Saturday yeah. up to like up to Hanmore or something. So, and there's like thirty MX fives just going past. That's cool. I like the idea of that. I like you know the coming together for the one interest. You know. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously you meet meet new people and. Yeah, great. And you've all, you've all got the same car. Yeah. So it uh, never amounted to anything with this one here. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not a very active group at all. Do you think, think you're going to ever, like, is that going to be something you're always going to be, you're always going to have a nice car? Like, do you think you'll eventually move on to, like, another MX-5 or do you think you're going to, like, look to eventually upgrade or? I think I'm always, uh, see, this is the thing with the MX-5. It's, um... I, th I feel like most people, when they they see someone in a car, they as associate uh, how the car's presented to how you're wanting to present yourself. Right. So, obviously, cars are a status symbol, right? Um, if my car looked like a beat-up old shitty Corolla but still <laughs> drove like the way it did, mm. then that'd be preferable because I'd... I don't know. It's... 
I don't feel like, like I don't like it. I, I don't like attracting. I don't like attracting attention throughout through my car. I think right. that's that's something that I want to that I'd rather stay away from. Yeah, but but you I, like the performance. But I can't. Yeah, I can't pass up how that car handles. Yeah, it's amazing. I, um, and yeah, I just I just love driving so much. Uh, you started driving from a really young age. Yeah, yeah. I used to um, used to do racing. Yeah, when I was oh maybe from from like eleven. That's crazy. Um, just doing local club events. Yeah. And your dad got you involved with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so dad's a dad's a mechanic. Yeah. Mechanic by trade, mechanic by heart. Um, so and he's a, he started me on a a motorbike when I was three. Whoa. So I got a got a tiny little fifty cc dirt bike. Yeah. Got a yeah. taste for it. And then I was riding motorbikes up until um up until they said if you want to keep doing this, you pay for it yourself right. because it's not a cheap hobby. Yeah, especially um, like motocross, like the racing, yeah. especially the race fees are crazy, Jeez. and you've got to be like rebuilding your engine every thirty-five hours of riding. Really, which is it's a lot of money. It's a whole lot of money. Why is that the case? What What is so detrimental yeah. to the engine that it has to be looked at so regularly? The um, the Dirt bike engines are actually, they're awesome. They're like a, such a, such a cool piece of engineering. They're based off a, because um, they're a single cylinder engine and they're based off the same design that Formula One engines have. Right. So they're an extremely high performance, high output, uh, just single cylinder um, with a tiny capacity. So your car might be a 1.6 liter or a two liter. Your motorbikes are like 250 cc, so 0.25 liter. But they're putting out sixty horsepower, which is more than half of what your average economy car might put out yeah. with five times the capacity or more. So it's extremely high performance engine, um, but a tiny engine. So you're having to replace all, all the internals, like so quite it's, regularly. So it's tiny because you you don't want so much weight in the vehicle, of course. Yeah. So the engine you want to add to this whole aerodynamics of the thing, I suppose. Yeah. So the but surely, like, how's the te technology not advanced to a point where you can have an engine at such a scale where you don't have to be fixing it all the time? Uh, it would just be so expensive. At the risk of sounding arrogant, it'd be yeah. so expensive, right? Um, plus, I mean. They want you to spend money. Yeah, I guess. But that being said, in in a capacity where you have a multitude of people involved in this thing, and these these um, cars and bikes are being produced at such a mass amount, you'd think that there would be an engine capable to withstand the things that these vehicles are going through. You know, this is again. Um, this is my experiences with dirt bikes. Yeah. So the common. There's two like size classes. You've got 250 cc's and 450 cc's, which are really small engines. You'll find that your road bikes that are going really fast, they've got like 1.3 liter engines with like four cylinders. Yeah. So they can make this power reliably for ages because they're a road going bike. So they're designed to do kilometers. Right. Whereas the dirt bikes are just tiny, tiny, tiny little engines that put out so much power yeah. um, for the size they are. And I, th I guess that's just because that's the, it's always been the standard size class um, from ages ago, like right. 70s or something. Um, so having a, like a larger CC engine would just mean 
a bigger engine. Yeah, bigger you engine. Can't afford to go that much more, bigger. More power. Yeah. Um, bigger engine, but not as fast. They just don't make dirt bikes with yeah. bigger engines. For so God, they'd have to make God a whole new class if it was a whole new. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I guess I guess there's weight weight things to look at as well. You want your dirt bike to be really light and yeah. nimble. And I guess on a dirt bike, you're sort of bashing it around too, so it's oh, getting yeah. knocked around. So okay, yeah. that makes sense. Dirt, yeah. So your, your road bikes are designed to be on their wheels all the yeah. time. Dirt bikes, they are they're designed to take a quite a bashing. Yeah. Yeah. Be pretty airborne. <laughs> yeah. You put them through so much shit. Yeah. Had you done anything that extreme with dirt biking? Uh, I like raced for a bit, too expensive. Um, although I never liked the motocross racing. Um, you just lined up with heaps of other people at the start of a circuit, and you just do a few laps around it, right. which is it's fun. But um, I preferred the like the cross country competitions, yeah. which is like a hundred kilometer loop, right? And you just a bit more endurance, yeah, basically. exactly. And it's like. It tests your skill over such like a such a varied terrain, yeah, which is super sick. And you see so much more stuff. You got a big, yeah, for sure, hundred yeah. k's. It's a journey. A, yeah, it's a long way around. Yeah, yeah. I think that was that was much more what I enjoyed. Yeah, and I and I feel like um, I'm really glad that I that my dad helped me get into that side of it more. Yeah, well, he sort of pushed me to. Um, or influence me to go and do more of that because I feel like at that stage you're enjoying it for the sport and for the actual fact of riding mm. rather than you're going around this track to win the race. Yeah, for and, sure. And then so many people that were like around my age at the same time that were like really good motocross riders and their parents just forked out thousands and thousands of dollars and – they had all the new bikes. I had a shit bike. Ran well, um, but it was old. Did the job. It was perfect. They've got all these new flash bikes. And they get to they get to 15, 16, and they just hate the sport. And they just drop it. And then the parents have dropped like 200 It's trouble with investing that sort of some... money into kids, you know. You can't yeah. rely on them to actually stick to, to that, you know. You really don't know how they're actually going to end up feeling about something, especially if they're being pressured at the same time, you know. And it's such a competitive environment. Yeah. It's, it's this. just, oh, yeah. And, and if, the, if the parent is super passionate about it, they're going to be, oh, no, I'm good, but do you want another one? The loved one. Um, yeah, it can be not detrimental, but it can be, you know, can lead to disappointment to, to you as a parent if your kid doesn't end up liking something that you do because you've just sort of forced it on them, you know. Living yeah. vicariously through your children, <laughs> which is very, very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, that beer go. sort of dried me out a wee bit. It's nice, but yeah, like I was saying, that's that's yeah. got that twang to it that sort of you can't have a few of them, or at least I can't have a few of them. Yeah, the, the, the English-style bitted bite. Mm. <laughs> Beautiful. There's uh, definitely a lingo to selling a beer. Oh, man. Mm. Good times. Yeah, I'm very, very glad that I um, that I had my dad to influence me into engines and things that go around an engine. So in your case, you, you really did develop an interest. Oh, yeah. I, um, it, and you've obviously stuck with it. And I feel like it's... It's an interest of mine that's quite um, 
set apart from everything else that I um, like concern myself with and yeah. enjoy doing. For sure. It's, um, you think of most people that are car-oriented, they're a very particular type of person. Mm. Um, and I don't really identify with that whatsoever. I think um, driving especially, it's just it's something that I get so so much joy out of and like, I don't know, I feel like I sit sit in the driver's seat of my car. I, I used to, like, I was living out of my car for about a year and a half. Um, so I developed quite a connection with my with my old Honda. Sure. Um, so much that uh, the just sitting in the driver's seat of that was like my safe my safe space, even when, like not driving or anything, mm, just mm, just being in. It's there. my home. Yeah, for <laughs> that, sure. And I think that sort of stayed stayed through. Um, yeah. That's cool. It's cool to have a relationship with your car like that. I I wouldn't say I'm a car guy, but I get that. I get why people like them, and I think it's cool that, especially like when you when you treat them nice. And, oh, and, for sure. When and it's like something you care about. Um, when you keep when you care about the car rather than I'm gonna get a dirty skyline and mm. just <laughs> do it so disgustingly. Is that yeah. one of the go tos? Yeah, like New, Ze- New Zealand, any rear wheel drive Nissan, like your skylines and your Silvias. Um, New Zealand car culture is really, really funny actually, because obviously we got all the Japanese cars that come over. Um, so. So it's, um, I guess sort of a lot of the stylistic elements are based off like old Japanese car culture. Yeah. Um, but with a decidedly Kiwi, you know, aspect. So like burnouts and mm. just everything's just like dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I, I quite... Quite I, common in Australia too, way. Eh? Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, same thing with Australia. Very, very yeah. similar, yeah. I feel... Like I um, identify a whole lot more with how the Japanese look at it. Mm. Um, they see they can like the connection with the connection you can have with a car is something personal mm. and uh, and like racing and driving in general, like street racing. Even um, it's something to have pride in, and they really take a whole lot of pride out mm. of their skill and. Um, like how they treat their cars, and I think everything in general in their culture, man. Yeah, Jap- whatever you're interested in, you are all in on that thing. Yeah. yeah, Japan is amazing. Japanese culture is incredible. Yeah, I would love to go there one day, man. I've known a few people that have gone to Japan and absolutely loved it. I think it's a fascinating culture, in that regard specifically, how you're so determined in in, in whatever aspect it is, cars yeah. or. You know, martial arts, whatever it is, they're they're all in. Yeah, yeah. all literally cool. all in. Yeah, and it's. Uh, Do you think some of New Zealand car culture stems from that? Yeah, completely. Um, stylistically, definitely. Um, a lot of the elements of like Bosozoku culture, which is the Japanese like car gangs of the like late seventies um, into the early nineties, um, which is where you get your like your old Toyotas with t- like their super low, tiny wheels, massive like exhaust pipes that might be in the shape of a love heart yeah, or something whoa. and huge, huge yeah. bumpers. Um, what did you call it again? A Bosozoku. 
I think it, it translates to like violent tribe or something like that. I have no idea. Bossazoku. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's sick. This reminds me of, this sounds such a stupid reference, but the cars in the movie cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those badass cars <laughs> yeah. that are all dressed up in like the paint, like That's the it. wacky sword. With the huge spoiler. Oh, yeah. This is awesome. insane. Look at this fucking thing. Holy shit. So are these like performance cars or are they just show cars? Uh, that's um, – they would – like gang members would do their – like car gang members would do their cars up like that just to um, – Just to flex. Yeah, just to flex, to, <laughs> to signify their – because all of the modifications are illegal. Oh, right. So to signify their distaste and authority. Yeah. Um, like they would steal train handles – off all the public transport. So um, they're, they're, they really are just show vehicles. There, yeah. They have shows that they put all of these cars into, and uh, or I, are they? I don't know if these ones are particular show vehicles. Um, they're all the same like type of cars that would have been used at right. the same time period by people who were driving them like really seriously. Yeah. But um, this is a decidedly more. It's it's completely like aesthetic. That's so insane. And they're loud and yeah, they're, and they and they look like that. Yeah, with the like the sharp nose um, bumpers. Bombs in the ground with those things. Yep. <laughs> Man, that's so cool. I've never seen that before. But yeah, I can see how that translates. Not obviously this absurdly, but to New Zealand car culture, like replacing all of your bumpers with like. I've seen kitted out cars with this huge fuck off bumpers yep. on the front of them, like that looks similar to how these ones do. And what I what I was saying before about uh, it being it being dirty is like part of the New Zealand car aesthetic within that sort of culture is um like the paint's not nice and the guards the guards are rolled out like guards mm. are flared out really really like shoddily so it's not looking nice and yeah. all the like the bump they've hit the bumpers and they've come off so they've just put them back on with zip ties <laughs> which was, it's actually a huge it's a huge shame because uh since what well, it's getting to be like 30 years since these cars were made and brought into new zealand so they're they've all been like you try and you try and find a stock skyline that hasn't been owned by an enthusiast yeah there's probably only a handful in New Zealand now. Yeah, true. Um, which which sucks because they get they get abused, and then so what like, is it raised about them? Is it just 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 because there's so many available and uh, like parts are available. For they're rear wheel drive. That's oh, okay. yeah. So most most cars are front wheel drive. Yeah, engine at the front. Um, but rear wheel drive means you can drift. So oh. they all want the drift cars. Yeah, well. Um, so that's one of few here, or is there quite a number of? Cars so in New Zealand, they have that. It's quite a few of them, but most of them now, if they're Japanese and rear-wheel drive, are, um, they're owned by enthusiasts. Right. Um, so you can't drift in a front-wheel drive? Or just no, not like you, you can't, can? you can't drift in a front-wheel drive. Really? You can um, you can pull the handbrake and yeah, then, right. and then and slide. Yeah, right, and a little skid. Yep. Yeah, but you can't, since you uh, pull the handbrake and you slide, you can't put power to the back. And continue the slide, right? And power out, right? That makes sense. Um, That's interesting. From, from a performance aspect, uh, modern front-wheel drive cars are 
equally as like on there's no there's no uh, like inherent bias between each layout because um, all Hondas, so your Civics and your Integras and stuff, they're all front wheel drive right. and they handle amazingly. They race really well. Um, so there's no inherent uh, difference in like um, racing potential. Yeah. But you can't drift with them. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's one whole point of this. And you it? can't do yeah. burnouts. Yeah. And yeah. Is but, there a, like, I, I'm not familiar with this culture, at least in this country or the city, but like, are these are these boy races, or put that name just to classify, yeah. mm. they actually, are they racing? Like, where are they going to race? So then this is, this is the thing, they're not racing. Um, whereas in contrast to Japan, where the sort of illegal side because it was it was very illegal what they were doing street racing yeah they would actually race they would um they would have like spotters at each end of a mountain pass or a toge um what they're called and they would have just uphill and downhill runs against each other yeah and like and that's like where this pride thing came from they'd race for their own pride and their skill and their teams mm. like their team's name um whereas here it's more just do burnouts and donuts and drift around corners. Drift drifting is a Japanese thing as well. That was yeah. in, um, sort of invented in Japan oh, as really? a sport. Um, but yeah, there's there's no n- here. There's no any of the. Um, no, I've never been witness to anyone drifting here. Yeah, no, it's a thing. I've seen videos and things. And this is the thing. Most people that most people that are actually good enough to be doing it. Yeah, <laughs> will. Generally, have the money and the um, they'll, they'll just be at the track. Yeah. They'll just go to the track days, um, rather than racing on the street. And the people that are hooning on the street are the people who just have loud cars and want to cruise around town on a Saturday night, looking like yeah, they have a car. Living it's right like, next mm. to the my system, I get uh, oh, an yeah. full of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. it's it just it, it is just showboating at that point. You're just exactly showing exactly. how loud your car can be. What is it that makes a a car that loud uh, like what are they modding they the just, engine to make it so they just so uh, they take out all the, in the in the exhaust system you've got like a catalytic converter which helps your emissions and then you've got a resonator and then a muffler which is all designed to muffle the noise so they either put on if, they, if, they, if they're doing it well they'll get a nice exhaust system and put on a good exhaust and then the car will sound louder but the the premise behind that is that the exhaust is more free-flowing so the exhaust gases can escape more easily. You make more power. Right. But people will just put on like a straight pipe or just delete their muffler and then you've just got a horrible sounding car that's extremely loud, mm. which I detest. <laughs> yeah. But that's what they're going for. Yeah. So is there like... Th- there's really no other purpose to doing that than... Showing off the have a loud car, right? Pretty much, really just pretty so, much. And what are the I mean, like if, the, if, if, you take, if you take your car to the track and you've got it set up as a performance vehicle, yeah, then there are definite improvements to having a free flowing exhaust, yeah. But you can make it sound nice. This is the thing, and not overly loud. Like um, performance doesn't equal being louder, yeah. Um, so of course, often it's just a it's just completely showboaty. Yeah. They want to be able to drive their car down the main street and make a 
fucking And there's no racket. obviously laws around that. You could you could just or there are. They just do it anyway. Um there are laws. Um I don't know what the number is. At a certain distance away your car's gonna be under a certain uh decibel level. Right. I don't know what it is. Um and this is the thing. You can go in for your for your warrant and pass it and then as soon as your car's out of the WAF station, just take off your exhaust. Yeah. Take off your muffler. Yeah, right. And it's loud again. So what what is happening when someone makes like the exhaust bang? Oh. Someone's driving down and they make that gunshot. Yeah, noise. the back, what's happening? The there? back the backfire. Yeah. Um, so there's a heap of unburnt fuel that's gone through into the exhaust and then it explodes oh, in right. the exhaust. Jesus. Yeah. So on, on the old carbureted cars, um, so instead of having like your yeah, electronic fuel injection, which is pretty much all cars now, um, if you if you if your car was going and you turned off the car, pumped the gas heaps, and then held the gas pedal down while you turned it back on, it would just do that. Yeah. It's called key banging it. <laughs> Jesus. That can't be good. For the oh, yeah, yeah, I would nah. imagine. No, nah. Pro- to a point where you probably not. shouldn't be doing that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, any anything that's using it like outside of its normal sort of use is yeah. going to put put damage on it. Because I've I've heard guys going down the one way that just yeah, yeah, just constantly. It's like, come on. Yeah, you can um with the with the modern cars, especially if you have got like a big powerful engine. Yeah, you can um you can tune it so that the computer that can like the ECU which controls the timing of when the fuel's injected mm. and um, when your spark plug goes off right you can time it so that unburnt fuel will do that so you can have like a, what it's called a crackle tune right so that when you are off the accelerator and slowing down it goes <laughs> as you're slowing down yeah. It's all just Quite to turn funny. heads, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what are you are you <laughs> as a question I was sort of trying to ask you before, mm. like are you are you pretty happy in the MX five world? Like do you think you're gonna have a series of MX fives or do you think like is there sort of a car, a dream car, I suppose, in your realm? Like, oh that's a that's a tough question. Yeah. Um I don't know if I'll keep this car forever. I'd like to. I'd like to one day, like if I just save up enough money to get something else, like a like a good just daily driver, because um, it's in great condition, mm. just put it in a garage, keep it for thirty years, yeah. and then it's worth fucking, fucking heaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd like to keep it. Unfortunately, if I want to get something else, I'm probably gonna have to sell that. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll see. But it's so much fun to drive. Yeah. They're they're like widely regarded as one of the best drivers' cars because they're. They're like they're raw. There's there's no like, uh, it's it's so small and it weighs next to nothing. Rear wheel drive grips are like the the handling is amazing. Yeah, it's um. So you could drift in that. Yeah. Have you drifted in? Like, I do often. And you can do it well. <laughs> often, most of the time, <laughs> most of the time. Um, obviously, practice comes with mistakes. Yeah. That's how you. That's how you learn. For sure. And there's there's no way to. There's no way to get better at it without making mistakes and spinning sure. spinning out. Yeah, and like with anything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but time and place. Exactly. There's there's tracks. There's yeah. race tracks for that. Um, 
or roads with no one on them at night and you've got spotters. Yeah. Spotters are great. Watching your corners. And there's, and there's no like, like private property around or anything. Yeah. If you're, in a, if you're in a place where you're not going to cause anyone else any damage and you're not at risk to anyone else, yeah. fine. In my, in my eyes. Yeah. Other people might well, see that differently. I mean, yeah, that seems the logical answer. Yeah, yeah. lots of people have. It's just, easy to find a place like that, though. Dunedin's great for it. Yeah, um, like just so many hills, awesome, True. awesome bits mm. of road um, out on the peninsula. It's great. There's a road that goes down from the castle, um, or just before the castle, down to the um, down to the waterfront. Yeah, and it's exceptional. It's one of the best pieces of road I've ever driven. Yeah, it's um, yeah. really tight, really steep downhill. Um, there's not like a single straight bit of road in it. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, pretty much any direction you go, there's some really cool, yeah, cool bits true. of road. Yeah, we're surrounded by it. Eh? Yeah, it's great. So do you, are you the kind of guy that would sort of have to see how a car performs to know whether you like it or not? Or can you sort of go by word of mouth? Or is there like a, a car, at, at least aesthetically, I guess, like because if you if money was no object, then you could choose your dream car. Mm. I presume it's going to be something you like the look of or know handles well, not something you've actually driven. So I've driven quite a few different types of cars, of for like performance cars. Um, but since it's just such an interest of mine, I I've spent countless hours just looking up so much shit, so I could probably tell you the the specs and the like suspension setup and handling characteristics of almost any Japanese car <laughs> that you yeah, could right. know. You're in that world. Yeah. yeah it's, it's okay, a so bit what, of a rabbit hole maybe actually. What's but, the best but like what, car that you've you've driven then performance? The best wise. car that I've driven. I um I used to drive in this um it wasn't road legal. It was just for um like club events. Um a WRX. Oh yeah. So, I'm not a fan of them, like looks wise. the The first generation ones can be really cool, but most of them are really dirty and mm. like not not clean cars. Um, but they're they're amazing. They handle so well. That's just because they're like a rally car. Yeah. Um, all wheel drive. Um, nice low center of gravity because the engines are it's a flat four, so it's mounted down real low. Right. Handles great. Yeah. But. You had a good question. Dream dream car. <laughs> if I or oh, yeah, if I um if I had a lot of money sitting in the bank, yeah, I would buy a a series four or a series five RX seven. Yeah, they're they're beautiful. They're series like series four RX seven. That's the one. Oh yeah, I've seen these. Yeah, it's a nice car. And they're, they're so clean, the hatchback. Interesting choice, man. Are you obviously know a lot about them. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, so you, you're very much into like your older cars that sort of are from this era. Yeah. Like you, you wouldn't like, like you don't like more European modern cars, that sort of thing. Oh, in Europe, terms of like some European cars, cars, like older yeah. ones, like um, your, your older BMWs yeah. are... Um, they're great, like your E36 M3, sorry, not M3s, like 3 Series, amazing cars. They're rear-wheel drive as well, handle amazingly. They're really, like, common yeah. um, for use in, like, autocross, which is, um, like, 
sort of racing where it's you're in a massive flat bit of concrete and there's heaps of cones laid out. Yeah. And it's it's pretty much like what if like what a like a really tight New Zealand mountain road would be like if it was on flat. Okay. So it's um it's testing all those skills like your um like how how well you can you know how well you've mastered the weight balance of a car and mm. where you can put the weight because um, it's not about not about speed like pure speed obviously it's the fastest you can get on this course but that doesn't come from how fast you or how powerful your engine is right. or anything like that or how fast you want to you know pin it out to for sure um, which is cool because that's that's what one of the aspects I like most about it is. Like having that, um, like the deafness of control of where you'll place the weight of a vehicle right. in a certain corner. Um, so that's um, like BMW, as I was saying, BMW is really common for that sort of stuff. Um, I personally wouldn't get one because it would be my only car and I don't want to drive around in a sacked out BMW. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, when, you're, when you've got a rear wheel drive, like how much do you sort of have to compensate for the weight in the front of the vehicle. Like if you're, I guess I'm thinking this would only occur at sort of super high speeds, but if you, if most of the weight is in the back of the vehicle where the engine is, what sort of stops the car from, because if the front two wheels are, are what's turning, what sort of stops the car from spinning out? Yeah, so you know, um, rear... Or tailing off to left or Most right. of your rear wheel drive vehicles, especially your Japanese ones, are still front engine and they just send the power to the back. Yeah. Um, your... You're pulling the car along rather than pushing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like your um, your old like like Porsches and stuff like 911s, they have got they're their rear engine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, each different layout is completely different to drive. Um, so rear wheel drive, you've got to um, be very conscious because as soon as you put the power on and you're powering say out of a corner, the whole car's weight is going to sit to the back. And your weight's gonna, as you said, the weight's gonna come off the front wheels, mm. so that's less traction. That's um, so you've got to be really conscious of that yeah. sort of forward back, um, fore and aft movement, um, and that's what, with the weight placement again. Because say if you um, you're you're at speed, you're coming around a slight, you come around a slight bend, you're turning into the corner, you decide to like plant it, you send the weight to the back. Front, your front wheels are just going to drift that little bit out, and mm. your corner line changes, and you might um, you might cook it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you often see a rear wheel drive in a racing scenario, or uh, like often front wheel drive, uh, front engine drives rather? Uh, what you see in racing scenarios complete, for that reason depends on what sort of racing like class, right? Um, I mean. Like if you were at, at like Bathurst, for for example. Oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're all, front, all front engine. Yeah. Yep. So that's your your supercars. Yeah. So pretty much all front engine, um, front engine rear wheel drive. That's your like, that's your traditional race car. So what is setup. rear rear wheel drive? Sorry, so I'm such a car noob. Uh, so the so the power that the engine makes. Yeah. Um, is delivered through the back wheels. So if you had the car off the ground, and you pump the gas, it's the back wheels that spin. Whereas the where in, in most most of your cars that you see, so that's or, not relevant to where the engine's placed. Yeah, so the, yeah, engines at the front, pretty much in most cars, unless yeah. it's a race like sports car. Yeah, sure. Um, so like your Porsches and your so you could have a rear wheel drive with an engine in the front. Yep, yep, completely. And, sorry, you just said that. So 
So when if you have a front wheel drive and you have an engine in the back, is that a scenario so, you can have? And what would be the uh, benefit of that? You would have the only front wheel drive you can get is um, when the engine's at the front as well. So the engine and the gearbox are just one package right. driving the wheels right beside it. Right. So that's uh, most cars around the 70s, early, end of uh, late 70s, early 80s, swapped to front wheel drive for just cost, like manufacturing um, costs, or it was, it was just far cheaper because you can pack um, all of the bits, so your engine and your gearbox and your differential and everything mm. into the, just into the engine bay at the front. Um, and since, if you can imagine your car like that, your engine in a front-wheel drive car, your car's going this way, sits across this ways. Right. So since the engine's sitting across ways, you can make the whole, the front of the car shorter, lighter. Whereas if you've got a rear-wheel drive car, the engine has to be going long ways. Right. Because um, it sends the power straight down to the back. So like packaging issues and just cost, really. Yeah. Which... Yeah. For me, it sucks because yeah. I'd, I'd rather more rear-wheel drive cars around. For sure. But, yeah, as I said, front-wheel drive cars can, like your Hondas, Civics, mm. um, early early Civics handle really well and have done really well in race settings as well. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, interesting. I I always thought that the rear wheel drive and front wheel drive was where the engine was placed. So that's sort of where I got yep. confused with it all. So it's just what's powering the wheel. So And then, so obviously when you have an all-wheel drive, that's something like an off-road, you need power yeah. to really get you up Pr- and over. Pretty much all your, all your trucks, yeah. all your utes are four-wheel drive. drive yeah. um, rally cars. Um, because, yeah, you can imagine you go into a corner. If you've got just the rear wheels going, all your, um, all of your, like steering's at the, at the front and the front of the car's being pushed around and driven by the rear. So that's force on the front tyres to be pushed off their, off their, off their path. Um, and if you're front-wheel drive, uh, you've got all of the steering load on the tyres as well as the power load on the tyres. Right. Whereas all-wheel drive, um, you go in a corner, you've got all, all four wheels are pushing you in that direction. Like the front that are steering, pulling you forward that way, mm. and your backs are also powering your, your, the yeah, back end around. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. God, so intricate. So much that goes into these things that's just beyond my comprehension. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's, what, I, that's what I find so cool. Yeah. It's, it's just, you can just keep, you can keep going, you can keep yeah. diving. There's always more to know. Yeah. How do you feel about electric cars? Awesome. Yeah. Um, not, so, not so awesome in what it means for the sort of do-it-yourself mentality. Okay. You can't, I mean, it's just a different skill set. If you wanted to build up a um, an electric car for, for like, performance, for racing mm. or something, um, you can't tune your motors so much, your electric motors. And, I mean, unless you're, you, you can completely. Yeah. But it's um it's a different skill set. It's, it's not stuck with the way you want. They're serving a, a purpose of their own, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, obviously the... Well, the performance of electric electric motors are like unparalleled. They're awesome because yeah. they can give. Whereas with your normal like gas powered engine, you've got your peak power, and your peak torque is made at a certain place in the rev range. So you like rev up your car, 
And when you get to a certain amount of revs, that's where you're making the most power. Okay. Whereas your electric motors, you're getting your max power from zero. Right. So they can give all of that torque instantly from anywhere in oh. the rev range. So is that why Tesla can go the speeds yeah, it can go? Exactly. Damn. That's why they take off like a fucking yeah. rocket. Shit, that's Actually, um, I went for a ride and there's a, there's a guy, um, like a taxi man that's just um, got a Tesla. I think he's just running. And didn't he? Yeah, he's, it's just like a solo operation. Um, I don't know there were Teslas in the country. There's, there's a few down here that I've seen. They look, they look so nice. But um, I hopped in and I was like, oh, like no, nice Tesla, mate. <laughs> and he, he loved it. Yeah. <laughs> he loved, loved people talking about his car, I guess. Yeah, um, oh, he's, yeah obviously but he, bought it for a he, reason. He, he took off and far, far out. Ridiculous. You're um, at the... Like at the um, at a set of lights, by the time the, if, when the light goes green, you're already going 50k. By the time you pass the opposite set of that's lights insane. at the intersection, that's so far. <laughs> it's like 15 meters, and you're Fucking just hell. does that t- that'll take a toll on you and the vehicle. You'll get oh, back. You, you, you feel it. It, pu- yeah. it pushes you back in your seat. The seats are comfy though. They're very I supportive. Can't, I can't say I've ever been in a car that's gone speeds like that. No, like obviously no, there's not a lot that can do that, yeah. but I've never really had that experience in a, a vehicle where I've gone at like racing speeds. It's um, it's it's thrilling, especially when you've got um, trust in whoever's driving. Yeah, for um, sure. It, it can either feel super scary um, or personally, like the first time I hopped in a car that was like properly fast, and then just they just took off in a straight line. And I was pushed back in the, pushed back in the seat. I just I just giggled for so long. It was <laughs> giddy about it. Yeah, I was quite yeah, man, I quite young, but it's I was like, oh, wow, that's exciting. that's a that's a feeling. Yeah, for sure. So this guy with the Tesla, <laughs> you can't. You have to have a specific charging station for a Tesla, don't you? Uh, I'm pretty sure you can charge can you get it like, like a home station. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can plug it into your wall outlet or yeah. something. Um, or you might. You might even have to get something special installed, like in your garage or something. Yeah, with for a, sure. Like three phase power yeah. or something. But um, I think because Tesla's trying to set up a this this supercharger network, which um really interesting biz- business model. So you can use these superchargers, which charge your car super fast. Um, but you've got to pay a subscription for them, or if you spend enough money on a spec'd out car, mm. you get it for free. Oh right. Really? Um, so there's none in Dunedin at the moment, but there's a few in Christchurch and heaps in the North Island, I think. But um, yeah, I think that's really cool. I'd I'd love an electric car. Just um, yeah. Obviously, I don't want to be burning gas when I'm for sure when I'm not. My friend Casey yeah. Munro was on the podcast a mm. couple of weeks ago, and he actually brought something to my attention that I wasn't very aware of about how um, they're great and what they can do and it's good to get away from the fuel waste but they in their own entity are actually a fairly harmful thing to the environment yeah. as well mm-hmm. just with it being a massive battery and, and the whole e-waste sort of thing as yeah. well can't yeah. remember exactly what it was that about them that is that bad environmental wise but it doesn't sound like it's exactly the next step up from no, petrol engines no not at all um, and I think that's um it's funny how that's how it's being pushed. Like car manufacturers and like governments are offering subsidies on um, like road user fees mm. for electric cars. But 
which which sort of gives the impression that oh, electric cars is the way of the future. Um, it's like vaping, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, the the amounts of lithium and cobalt mm. that you need to produce all those batteries load, is right? insane. Um, so you can imagine how many cars are on the road mm. in the world. It's billions and billions and billions. To produce one billion electric cars, which by today's standards in a few years isn't a like isn't a huge it's a it's a fucking huge number of cars, but like by production standards mm. today, um, that'll that will happen soon enough. Another billion cars will be out. To produce a billion electric cars, you need something like three times the Earth's actual natural uh, resources yeah. for making these batteries, which is absurd. That is absurd. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen because well, none of these things are sustainable. No, and there's nothing you can take aside from like the materials and the body of a vehicle to make a new electric car out of because you've got to make the battery for that electric car, which comes from something completely different again. Exactly. So what is the future of cars? Oh, I don't <laughs> don't know. Honestly, I see water. Mm, see, this is this is real interesting. I um I read something ages ago about some guy who'd made a car that supposedly uh ran on like pressurized air and it used this really novel little engine. Um not very powerful at all, but um you'd fill up this massive pressurized tank to like ten thousand PSI or some ridiculous amount of pressure. Um, and that'd get you like like a couple of hundred Ks of range around town, which is nuts. And if you used a, uh, like a really tiny, 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 tiny petrol engine mm. um, to continue pressurizing air into this tank, you could get like 600 Ks of range oh, wow. out of like four bucks of gas, Shit. Um, which is nuts. Yeah. But, um, the tank's going to be the, big. The business, um, this was quite a few years ago now, all of a sudden uh, sort of just disappeared yeah. off the face of the earth and the guy was never heard from again. Oh, really? Which seems very common. Uh, there's, I think there's quite a few uh, like inventors of technologies like this that have sort of just dropped off, gone missing, which is... Pretty, we get into some probably pretty, pretty typical of big oil, you know. Yeah, I mean you're threatening mm. a multi-trillion-dollar yeah, business right. with that's something so that is with something that's so cheap and easily uh, able to be in- implemented. Mm. They don't want that happening. Wow! So there's no story behind this guy. He's just gone. He's gone. Yeah, he left. <laughs> Which is um, it's pretty unfathomable. Quite sad, actually. Yeah. And there's there's been a few other like different sort of cases with um, similar sort of technologies that have just been bought out instantly by um, by the oil companies for yeah. millions and millions of dollars and just been shelved. So we're just never going to progress them. Yeah. I mean, I, that kind of power to have over someone, like an opposition rather. You yeah. Know? Uh-huh. It's just never going to happen, at least any time soon. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I, I, I keep thinking about being like, what, maybe 60 or 70 or something and 
the oil was finally gone, mm. all of it's gone, and there's just just complete like societal collapse, complete societal collapse, and there's just no cars. Yeah, because there's the batteries, the batteries, and all the electric cars that were made in the next fifteen years mm. are all busted. Yeah, and there's the economy's collapsed, so there's no companies investing into mm. technology because it wasn't going to make them money in the first place. Yeah, right. It's quite sad, actually. Yeah, man, the future's not looking too bright. No, not not too bright. <laughs> I mean, I, I've always, I find that so fascinating how, like, everything that we have, everything that's in front of us here now, even, has come from the earth. Everything that's, some some way or another, everything that's here has been produced from materials that have come from the earth. When is it going to get to a point where there's just none left? And obviously you can sort of recycle things and things get thrown out and sort of get put back into stuff, but not a lot. Not yeah, a lot. And especially like with these batteries, you've got to mine all of this lithium and everything that needs to go into these batteries that mm-hmm. needs to come from somewhere. When when do you run out? And like... Soon, it's I think. Just, it's crazy to think that, you know, there's... An endless supply of something because there can't be there can't be an endless supply of, of something unless it's naturally produced at a consistent um, rate yeah renewable yeah like um like water yeah. we get rain so we get we get more of that I, I don't know the full logistics of that but you know that's something that is yeah. the that water is cell recurring. water cycle is pretty self-sustaining yeah for sure but like all the all the metals and things in the earth there's going to get to a point where it's like, well, you've used it all. Like, if you want to make something else out of metal, you need yep. to break down another metal object because there is nothing left for you to use, you know? And, it's, and the same with oil. There will eventually be no oil left because it's all been burned away. Yep. yep. So what do you do? I find it so funny how it's a, it's it's decidedly like a logistics thing that it's easier to get like metal ore out of massive like just mm. deposits of silt and shit yeah. way down in the depths of the depths of the earth but it's more it's like preferable to and if, apparently more cost effective to do that than literally any of the yeah. metal that's probably in a I don't know more complete state than it was yeah. when it left the yeah. earth it's ridiculous hey and you think there'd be there'd be things in place to I'm sure there are, but perhaps not at the capacity that it should be where you can actually break down or burn these things that are like I think about all the waste that happens work, working in a hardware store, all of these things that get bought. There's a consistent need mm. for like ladders, for example. People are always coming in and we sell ladders all the time. But you know, if people are buying new ladders all the time, there's going to come a point where you're obviously buying a new ladder because your other one's broken. So where is that ladder going? Yeah, where's the and broken ladder? And then when, like how, we, you can't constantly be producing new ladders, like they eventually run out, like and obviously in a huge uh, time scale, they will eventually run out of aluminium that you can dig up from the earth. So you're going to have to start going back to those ladders that you've already built things out of. Like Hunting just, through the garages for everyone's old ladders. Oh God, <laughs> like it's so important to be to buy, buying things that can hand like that. And I do it because I don't want to have to pay full price for something, so I just don't have the money. But there's there's some sort of, there's got to be some sort of, I guess, demand for or. It'll it'll probably become inevitable that you'll have to buy things secondhand because this product cannot be made anymore because there's nothing to make it yeah, out of. You know, with it, without a doubt, that's a that's a weird thought. And and obviously, like 
our size relative to the size of the earth is pretty like crazy. Like you could definitely find a source of something in another part of the world that could last for years and years and years. But still, years and years and years will eventually conclude. It'll always run out. Like I don't yeah. think it's anything that's going to happen in our life, our lifetime. Perhaps the fuel thing. I don't know how bad that's looking, but there's still going to become a point where these resources are just gone, and you're going to have to reuse what has already been made. Yeah, I we're think just, we're just going to eat the earth away. <laughs> yeah, it's happening, in the big and it's far yeah. worse than any of us realize. Yeah. I think I think the oil thing's quite soon. Oh yeah, Rel- relatively. Like yeah. Or the or the price of it skyrockets. Yeah. So, or that that'll be it. Yeah. So scarce that the price of it just psh, yeah. skyrockets so Absolutely. much that your average Joe mm. can't use any yeah. gas powered thing, and it's yeah. just left for. And this whole know, COVID situation has been interesting in the fuel side of things, like the amount of pollution that was saved when all these roads were closed. People having to stay home. Lack um, of lack of air travel. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's insane. The, so um, that, that goes to show, like, it's so interesting how, like, if this hadn't hadn't have happened, we wouldn't have known how much pollution is really doing. Mm. You know, the price of oil, the, the price of oil went uh, went negative mm. for the first time in history, Crazy, to like yeah. negative four dollars yeah. something a barrel, that's which insane. is that's ridiculous. But that well, just proved like you can actually make a change, even if it's minute. Like, you completely stopped all vehicles being on the road, and that showed that there was actually improvement in or you know how much pollution was reduced because of that so it's like you can actually change yeah but in such a mess like that it's just never going to happen and once people get their freedom back it's just inevitable people people like people see themselves as in, like insignificant in the grand scheme of things yeah. and and it's so easy to as do. a result are so unwilling to change yeah unless Ever, unless everyone else either wants to mm. or is made to, yeah. which made to, which we saw in the whole lockdown thing. Yeah. Um, see, I th- and I feel like I feel like lockdown was really good for mm. people for people in general. I feel like people were sort of connected to what they wanted to do. Yeah, what absolutely. They, what they're doing with their lives outside of you know oh, the day to day. I did that exactly. And yeah. And you're sitting, you're sitting in your sitting in your house, and you're thinking. What am I actually wanting to do, mm. like with with myself and with my time? Yeah. If okay, I'm getting paid out four hundred and ninety bucks a week. So I can live. I can pay my rent. I can buy food. There's nothing open. There's no shops, so I can't fill a fill in an imaginary void with um, consuming. Mm. I'm just left with the things I have yeah, and dude. myself. Oh, I save so much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's it's scary. You realize how how many things you do actually buy that you don't actually need. Oh, yeah. Like, all you really need to buy, all you really need to do is pay your rent and buy your food. And that's, that's exactly. was pretty much it. And that's what I was doing and ended up saving so much because of that. And weren't probably weren't any worse off for it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it should have been a wake-up call. And for the first few weeks where we were able to do things again, go out and shop again, I did sort of realize, okay, I can actually, um, you know, salvage a lot of what I'm buying. Uh, that's not the word I was looking for. You know, um, ration. Yeah. Mm. What I'm what I'm buying and actually stretch out my grocery buying. Um, but I haven't stuck with that. <laughs> it's hard to. Yeah. yeah it's, especially when you get caught up in the the, the really little and significant bits of day to days that seem to be. 
far more important than they exactly. really are. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 yeah. With, with this level two announcement today, I mean, I, I definitely see us potentially coming back to that scenario again. I, yeah. I don't think it's going to be just three days. I think we'll definitely see another week or so. I think I, I think it's three days is um, time for them to soften the blow. Yeah, exactly, and and to <laughs> actually give themselves time to sort out what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I feel like the choice the choice is from a from a preventing the spread of the virus standpoint. Mm. The choice is obvious. Yeah, but it's not. That's not what you have to worry about. It's a, the backlash. Of, oh, the, for sure. of, of the of the population, you're not going to announce the country. All right, we're going straight to level yeah. four. Everyone, yep. stay home. Yep, and um, especially after the the economic windfall. Oh yeah, you can piss some people off. And yeah. it's what well, we're coming up to election season. Yeah, they've got to be very. They've got to tread very carefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything they do now could be could be a make or break. Oh, of course, she's going to change the election time right before election. Yeah. Oh, yep. <laughs> Personally, personally for me, I think um, I think another lockdown would be great. Time, yeah, like, be t- an eye out. T- sure. t- time off work. I've um. Oh yeah, it's like that I've, for a lot of people. Eh? I've got some. I've got some. I've got some money saved up. Yeah. Um. So I can like live, and I feel like after having the experience of the first one, um, I feel like I could really use the time of isolation to. Mm. Further myself yeah, and further sure. what I actually care about doing. Yeah, it'd be it'd be really interesting because the first lockdown was sort of like figuring out how to be in lockdown. Yeah, I never had to experience anything like that. And if a second one came up, you'd be like, okay, I know how I can use this time now and sort of jump yep. straight into it. At least some people are going to be thinking they obviously obviously it's not the same situation for everyone. Um, some people will Ex- be see exactly to go and like. Um, some like some people are going to be, if we were to go into a, another lockdown, like a full lockdown, um, obviously that's affecting lots of people's livelihoods mm. and how they're actually able to survive. And it's understandable that the that the government won't be able to provide as they did throughout the first one, right. which was. I was quite surprised actually. There was a very comprehensive um, sort of COVID relief sort of bailout mm. thing. Mm. What five hundred and five hundred twenty-five bucks to anyone, to everyone who was employed. Crazy, yeah. Uh, which which is is nuts. Mm. That's crazy. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what they'd do next time, because obviously now they have to face the the judgments of people who already have it mm. quite hard as a result of being jobless and yeah. like having to keep their kids home from school and just the complete upheaval of normality. Yeah. Especially um from the fiscal point of view, which unfortunately is a large part of how everyone views the government is mm. the monetary mm. side of it. Um, yeah, I mean, and you have well, no idea un- much un- money unfortunately, it has to be because of the way the system is set up. Yeah, it's, for um, sure. It's yeah. money. Money is scarce. Yeah, for the for the masses. Yeah, 
It's crazy to think how much, I don't know how it's working in America, but they have been in this lockdown for months. And I don't know how, like, they get to the point where, I don't know how much money the American government has. I don't know if anyone does, but, you know, there's only so much in there that they have to give out, I'm sure. And it gets to the point where you're just giving money away to people. Um, you either can't anymore and those people become jobless mm. or, and or homeless. Um, how, how can you afford to pay these people in a place where no one is actually abiding by the rules? Like there's a the huge chunk of those people want their freedom and are like they're pretty much back to they're doing what they want to be doing. There's no lockdown. Yeah, people are going out to bars and things because they're freedom. Open. Yeah, it's just it's yep. a it's a weird world that we're in at the moment. Yeah, I think see that's the thing though the like with how much how much money the American government has it technically it has negative fourteen trillion. But really, yeah, they're for, like I think it's around fourteen trillion dollars in debt, oh, shit. which is obviously that's it's incomprehensible there's mm. like there's no way you can ever conceive anything like that um it's an absurd amount of money yeah the the whole america man mm. the whole economic system is quite literally rigged to um obviously just to put money in the pockets of the of the business mm. owners and the entrepreneurs um i remember reading or seeing somewhere there was um, some very, very vital laws in the 70s that were repealed when lobbying like first became a really big thing. Right. And that put... Uh, well, that was, the, that was the first instance that put um, legislation in the hands of business owners. Um, and as, as soon as you get that happening with like lobbyists paying huge sums of money to put politicians in their pockets... That's the downfall of of democracy, right. and there's papers. There's like papers coming out. Oh, there has been, there had been papers coming out, reports to the government um, in times of business crises, um, saying that there is too much democracy. Like the the working class is not consuming any like as much anymore. Mm. This needs to be stopped, right? And and that's that's written. That's written in official documents. Uh, like after the sixties, when there was huge, huge, huge like social unrest and like, um, like the women's rights movement was huge. The, um, like, like black rights movement was huge, and people were like boycotting businesses and organizing and unionizing as well right and um it was one of the worst years for big business like on record and they put like legislation together um and edited the bills that had um been passed to make sure that like wealth was evenly distributed they just stripped that right back Right. And it was the initial the initial things that allowed that little bit more power to be put into the um, business owners' pockets, which then snowballs into them having more and more power because they can change the laws 
that allow them to have more power, right. which with that power, they can do the same thing at infinitum. And we have, we have 2020 and the state of American economics mm. at the moment, which is, it's just crumbling. Like, like, like I, what was it? Um, this company. I was reading about I'm this. just going to pee, man. Hold that Yeah, thought. please. Please. <laughs> please pee. <laughs> what I was going to say before. Yeah, please. I think I remember. Um, General Electric, which was one of the biggest American companies, uh, used to make, well, most of their revenue uh, was from manufacturing within the States. Right. And over the last few decades, they... Now, like sixty percent of their profits, or of their revenue in general, is um, it's made literally by doing funny tricks with money, right. like just pushing pushing money around through the system. There's there's n literally nothing being added to the economy at all. There's no like labor force. There's no like manufacturing. There's no like they're yep. investing the money or Yeah, it's just it's just playing silly games and right. you know, like playing playing the economic system with all the as you said, like just investing and in Yeah. So just this, this is a company that doesn't actually provide a service. Is that what you're uh, they do provide a service, but they're all um it's all, it's just it's just financial services, which uh at that scale it's not like holding people's money or being a bank or anything. Yeah. It's um it's just like lines of credit and uh crazy investment banking that yeah, is with money that no one actually has. It's just numbers and oh, that's that's what gets me man. And and like 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 with this uh like what I was saying about the the oil crisis. Mm. People made millions and millions off that by literally doing nothing they just had some money and put it here and then took it and moved it back and yeah right then they're this much they're this much richer and nothing's being added to the economy it's um only the expensive yeah well the, the gdp goes up and the, the 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 line keeps getting higher sure but no one's better off for it yeah quite um interesting concept though yeah i can't get my head around like how like banking works where you just have a number sort of in your bank if you don't have cash you've got a number that's in your bank and how that number seems as though it is just a number and that money becomes obsolete at that point this is this is obviously not how it is this is just how i mm sort of think of it when I try to fathom how it all works. For me to, like if I was to transfer you 50 bucks, all that seems like is happening is that my number has gone down by 50 and your number has, number has gone up by 50. The yep. only factor that comes into play is that if you want to go to the bank and get that $50 out, they have to provide that to you. Yeah, So exactly. my, my thought is like if it is just a number, it's just, it's just an authority. Uh, an authority. What's the word I'm looking for? 
someone in control or mm. of a higher power that is allowing you to make that number higher or lower. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like yeah. what's stopping someone from just typing in a number that worked at the bank and just giving me like another thousand dollars. Yeah. You know? it's, it probably sounds really stupid and obviously there's some logic behind it, but that's just how I perceive it. You know, it's, it, it is just a, a tallied number yeah. inside well, of an account that I put a password to. That's like, that's the, that's the theory. Yeah. You know, like, um, I don't know if you know of any um, Noam Chomsky. He's um, just one of the. Um, he's a great American intellectual. It was like a, um, like a really he no he what did he, what did he lead, the uh, he led like the anti-war protests throughout the seventies in the states. Um, and he's, he's awesome. Really, really cool. Um, dead now, but he calls them the masters. Right and. They're the people, like like financial institutions and stuff. There's no, there's no, there's nothing of value really being done for the general populace. It's just throughout all these tiny little, uh, like loopholes and laws and like ridiculously complicated, um, like formulas that are applied that are applied to economics, um, they can just make make money and line their pockets. Right. At, um, and the system is set up so that they can, so that they are enabled to do that. Um, all the while, the general populace is working, like wage, working for their wages and... Mm. Um, it's yeah it's it's so so flawed and it seems it seems like now that there's it's going to be really really hard to change that because in the past um changes to structures like that have been because of huge like radical movement um and people organizing and um just taking action against right. against this but I feel that in like the internet and the presence or the presence of the internet in our lives and how we see talking to people and uh, organizing, um, it's not it's not physical, and I feel like it provides the platform to talk about it, but it also you're sitting at home and arguing like uh, arguing over stupid uh, little like tiny little uh insignificant yeah insignificant things uh about what might be right or more right or mm. wrong whereas that's exactly what that's exactly what it's designed to do it's designed right. to keep you uh at like one another's throats instead of you like unifying mm. with like like in America especially the idea of you like workers unions are like it's it's almost unheard of. You and like unionizing is, um, it's vilified. If you talk about unionizing with any um, like especially people that work in the financial sector, or that are up in like high management or something, it's it's like looked down upon with such immense distaste, mm. almost instantly. Whereas the the best, the best times in the working classes' history 
has been when there's been really strong workers' unions, um, which is really funny. And I think America is one of the only places in, um, like, it, within the similar countries that doesn't have unions. There's no workers' unions. So they just perceive it as a, you know, rise up against the employer. Yeah, and that's stuff, and that's so ingrained in how the, like, how the constitution, mm. is, uh, or how they like perceive yeah. that. So there's no, it's it's all based around sort of lawsuits and that sort of thing. If you do come into a scenario in your workplace where you're, yeah. say, being mistreated or underpaid or something, exactly. it's, it's not done through union, it's and done you, through... you go through the, the court system, mm. which is... Which is also flawed. Yeah, so, so fucked. Yeah. Um, and like that as a result, um, it pits you against your fellow workers. Mm. Because you're competing for, yeah, right. You're competing for the jobs, uh, and you're competing for, every, like everything's, uh, like, what's the word? Everything's presented to be a competition, sure, to keep you from, to keep you from, exactly, like unifi mm. unifying and yeah. actually commonly coming together against the systems and the people that are causing you and your fellow working class people the most um, like discomfort in your life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's really, yeah. Yeah, really, really interesting. It is interesting. I, had, I didn't realise that. I didn't realise that wasn't a concept over there, but it sort of makes sense because the whole concept of a union was fairly foreign to me when I started employment. I didn't really know much about it and mm. I suppose no yeah. one really does until you're... I guess offered that or told about that while whilst you're in employment, but I mean, I've, I've never really thought that that was something I ne ever needed to be a part of. I mean, I I um, am in employment where I'm treated fairly and feel like I could, you know, bring up any issues that I had with no fear involved. So I don't feel like I need to be have to be part of a union. I've never been against them, and I understand why they're there, and I'm totally for that. But personally, never been in a scenario where I thought I've needed to be part of a union. And I think the only time I think I would consider that would be if there was a scenario in which that I I was getting treated unfairly or whatever it was and I had no way of actually, you know, I had spoken up but I was sort of, things were sort of happening behind my back or it had gone to sort of a higher power that I could not argue but I still thought I was treated fairly and I sort of needed backup I suppose I th think that's the only time I could think I could see myself being a part of that but I guess like in in, in America like if you actually, well not specifically for America but I guess in general if we're talking about unions like if if someone individually is talking to their employer about you know what if they're treated unfairly or whatever the scenario is going to be and that employer employer has to cater to that one person because they're mm. sort of getting up in arms about something. Like you say, it sort of puts a, you know, takes you aside from your other employ employees that you're then, that they're getting, then getting treated unfairly because if they've done something and gotten compensated for it, why can't we get compensated for it as well? It's, it's such a, it's such a weird dynamic to have, I suppose, in a workplace. Exactly. The, um, and I feel like it's the, it's the culture behind that, that, mm enforces the uh look out for yourself like all mm. like look out for yourself mentality yeah so you're not you're not thinking about the 
like the systems and the the people that are yeah so astronomically far above above what you can think of yeah and in American culture and New Zealand culture are quite con- contrasting in that regard mm. like I think Americans have sort of an incense, a sense of entitlement and you know they live in a free country they always say and something really interesting America is one of the only places in the world where if like if you do something and someone says you're anti-American it's one of the like you're anti this country mm. it's such an like an authoritarian statement and it's one of the only places in the world where if you said that to someone you wouldn't just be laughed laughed out you, you do you do something here, and someone says, "Oh, you're you're anti New Zealand." Mm. It's like, yeah, it's right. Not, is it? yeah. yeah, well, like, but if like that sense of patriotism, I guess, I and patriotic. and like because American in that sense, I feel like if you want to unionize, people will say that's anti-American. Yeah, right. And American in that sense has been deliberately instilled to mean. Uh, like serving that higher power, like the businesses right. and, and like another thing, um, another law that was changed in the 70s in America is businesses have the same rights as people, which is like under in a court of law, mm. um, which is very interesting. So... Uh, s- some business can do a deal with some other country, right? Right. And since they've got the rights of a person and they've done a deal on their theoretical soil, they have a right. They have the rights of a person in that country, which is right. Really Could strange. You put that into an example, like, hmm, that's a good, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I'm so, not, like, I'm not if, sure of a of a specific example, but. Um, it's like, like you know, like like personal rights. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't I know what personal rights someone yeah. might have. In terms of a business point of view, you're talking about. I just find it really strange that some massive company um, <clears throat> can have the be awarded the same uh, same rights. Right, as a person. Yeah. Okay. I see when, when, when this when this company is, well, per, personal rights are there to afford a person. The rights. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the rights, like the, yeah. the the things that are, um, like the the sort of empathetic things that are. That you that are that inherently should be awarded to someone, mm-hmm. you know, and to say that some massive company whose uh, so whose uh, who's only like existence is to generate profits for a CEO mm. should be a- awarded the same yeah, rights right. as someone who is okay. living is absurd. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's especially like a fraudulent business as well that was doing something, you know, bad to the business or employees or whatever can have the same rights as as what someone because well, like an individual would deserve. exactly at the, like yeah. in, at the end of the day the the business model of especially like with the massive companies it's it's how much you can 
like do over everyone else. Mm. Like for profit margins, you pay people the lowest. You like you're trying to get the the best deals. So you might outsource production, mm. which is removing jobs from uh, or removing availability of jobs from the place where the business is actually based, and then underpaying people horrendously in yeah. somewhere where labor is cheaper. It's it's pretty busted. Yeah, and sounds backward. Yeah. And I don't. It's quite scary because I don't think the um. I don't think the sort of social and political climate, especially especially in the states at the moment, which it's unfortunate that the states sets an example for most of the Western world. Um, there's like lots of, especially like concerning the. Um, the drug referendum, a lot of the comparisons that have been uh, drawn, like drawn from, to uh, relate to what it would be like here, is taken from American examples, which I feel like would be so different. Mm. And it's, I feel like it's it dangerous. Doesn't always translate in. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's dangerous to be taking um, so many, like, to be drawing so many comparisons f uh, for. Um, things that will influence life in our country from somewhere like America, which is <laughs> which is not it's, a it's, a, place. it's very different. Yeah, it's very different. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not exactly an example country mm. to be to be basing any sort of political decisions off, at least at the moment. But I can't see I can't see any way for it to change. No, because it's um like the two party system. It's, it's pretty limited. It's, it's, it's not. It's not like two parties that represent two different peoples. Mm. It's it's effectively the same people, like two sides of the same neoliberal mm -hmm. coin mm -hmm. that uh, they represent the same interests. Mm. Just yeah, yeah. Interesting. And, yeah. and they're all sort of protecting each other, or protect. It's it's, it's just protecting their own class because they see themselves as like the political elite. Mm. It's the same as the business elite because they're they're all in cahoots, so they're all bought out. And it's all just exchanges of huge amounts of money and like services that link them all together. Yeah. Like there's no real difference between like the, the the modern day Republicans and the Democrats, it's just it's just so similar. Yeah. And they and they appeal to the they appeal to the masses with the like the social elements that they convince people is what they should care about being so different. Yeah. And that's what divides people. Yeah. But the fiscal policy is all the same. The it's just status quo. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's hard, your point about having the two parties, it's, it, it's pretty limiting and, and at least in comparison to, to what we have here, um, there's usually sort of the top two in contention, but you've mm. got tons of other parties in play too. We have seats in, par like there's seats yeah. of, seats in parliament. If, if you get over 5% of the national vote, you get guaranteed seats in parliament. Mm. I think the... Um, I think the system we have, the like electory system, MMP, is 
is quite good. I think it's one of the better ones that exists. Obviously, it's still flawed because a democracy and a, a true and fair democracy in the sense of what the word actually means depends on, obviously, everyone having their say. Mm. Um, and everyone doesn't have their say because of how they can, how it's like, how voting is presented as a concept to sure. society. It's like you're voting for the for the two parties and you, and you get the people that say, oh, I don't I don't go into politics. Mm. It's like being not into, po- into politics is inherently very political because yeah. you're voting really hard for exactly how it is <laughs> right now. <laughs> That's so true, man. I've never thought of myself much as a political person, but I've never said I've been against politics. Uh, not a political person in the sense that I don't understand a lot of what goes on. Not necessarily that I'm against it all or, you know, not bothered by anything. It's just I don't, a lot of the time, really know what things mean or why something is good or bad in the context of what that's doing to the country. I just It's not something I have a lot of expertise on. And I feel like it's... Um it's really easy for it to be such a turn-off to people who, like... Because you think about politics and you don't think about the choices that are made for the people in that country. You think about politics and, yeah. the, and like, the, the, and the politicians and, mm. like, the, the people who have, you know, come out of law school or something. Yeah, yeah. And they... There's a stigma, right? And, and it's their... Like, Judith Collins is a good example. She's been doing she's been doing politics for fucking years and years and years and years and years and I feel like it's just because when you want you want someone to lead the country who's looking at obviously looking out for the people but I feel like when you get people like that running for parliament this is the culmination of her career she's been working at uh, like it's just, it's just, it's winning the game, you mm. know. It's it's all a big it's all a big game of all these little rules and customs and culture within like New Zealand politics for one, and she just wants to win the game. It's <laughs> it's and that's that's the dangerous part because it's like yeah. a, it's a career. It's a it's a. Yeah, especially these days because there's so so many ways to I guess expose people, and and there's so many yeah like games that are being played to sort of get attention, and it sort of just takes away from the whole point of what should be trying to be achieved, and it just ends up in this sort of whirlwind. I just ugh. I think this is a this is a funny funny belief of mine I think the 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 idea of politics and like the, the choices that are made for the betterment of the country and the people at large uh, those choices being made by people who want to do that with their life for a career mm. is I feel like it's inherently flawed because I feel like the people that are going to make the best choices with uh, with empathy at heart and with um, transparency 
as one of their core values, they're not the people who want to do that job. Right. I feel like the people that do want to do that job are the people who are more inclined to playing the game and, you know, being in politics. Yeah, for sure. Which, which you have to be... There's very specific qualities you have to have to be able to excel in modern-day oh, politics. Sure. Oh, there, there'll be so many people that are meant to be in that sort of position um, and could could easily do that job and run a country very well. Um, but it's like I have this theory, and this is, this is not politics-related, but I have mm. this theory that, you know, Usain Bolt, the fastest man in the world, mm. right? He's the fastest man that has decided to do athletics yeah. and <laughs> run that race <coughs> and win it. Like, I wouldn't call him the fastest man in the world. Like, I, I would, I like to think that there is someone else out there that is faster than him oh, if they applied themselves exactly. and were in that field. I reckon it's the same thing with politics. Like, you have these people that are meant to be there doing this thing, but there's going to be someone else there that's better. You could apply that theory to anything, but that's that's just made me think of that when you said that, that there are definitely other people that could run the country very yeah, well. And it's and it's and it's those I feel like the people that inherently have the best temperament and uh, sort of ideals to be doing that successfully are the people who don't want to, you know, navigate the political system. I because it's such a it's, it's so clicky, and it's like uh, a, yeah. it's a, it's like a, it's just a big, it's a big social game, yeah. man, and you're, yeah. I, Be, being a politician, I detest it. Just, just that alone, being a politician, can put people off being politicians. You know, like there could be someone well educated and easily, you know, know the job and what should be done, and what shouldn't be done, mm -hmm. but just don't like the idea of being in the puppet guy in that way and sort of having a, a, a large portion of people against them for whatever reason and it's just oh, I, yeah that's that's I imagine it's a very stressful job yeah yeah incredibly so yeah. I also find it very funny how the people who are tending tending to want to be leaders of countries and states are business owners mm. like CEOs of mm. companies it's ironic yeah which, well not ironic but Interesting, because yeah. they have a certain mentality of how things should work, and it's not always translatable to a in a, in a political. I think trying to run a country like a business is inherently wrong. Yeah, especially because the way the business people perceive business now, mm. like business is making a profit, and there's a there's a very clear way that you run a business within our current economic climate mm. to to succeed, you know? And it's all about allocating money rather than uh, focusing on more people-oriented mm. so like solutions. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to take a quick bathroom yeah, break. Yeah, go for it, man. Something I haven't heard you talk about for a long time is music. I know you music. were quite a prolific music maker. When we first met, at least, or at least had heard about a lot of things that you'd done mm -hmm. music-wise, and we, we chatted about that quite often, but I haven't heard you talk anything about that recently. <laughs> Is that something that you are vaguely interested in? Oh, at no, completely. Like, so much. Um, in terms of the production aspect, I mean. Produ production. Yeah. That's actually something that I've... 
I don't know, unfortunately left behind mm. so much. I haven't done any like purely um, like electronic music for years and years now. Because um, once I came down here, sort of settled in a bit and I started um, like playing with Pete and Jack, yep. which was incredible. Um, I was much more being swayed to um, make music with instruments. For sure. Um, and I feel like obviously the, um, the, cult, like the culture of Dunedin will really do that to you. Um, in Nelson I didn't have so many people who were um, on a similar sort of wavelength so I never ended up like forming a band or playing like jamming with anyone mm. or anything. So I was just sitting in my room producing music which was um it was really good it was a i i'm so glad that 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 was something that i invested a lot of my time in um but you're really enjoying your time in flyspray at the moment i'm actually uh, i am no longer in flyspray oh is that right yes so um i i left flyspray would have been at the start of this year um Yeah, so obviously there hasn't been many gigs and stuff going on right. with the whole COVID thing. But um, so I'd been with Pete and Jack and Flyspray for, um, I think it was just over a year. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so they were, um, they talked to me about, like, because the, the, like the times that I was able to make, I, I finished work at eight every night. Um So, and like, we can't practice up at Pete's studio until much later than that. Right. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, it was like so much fun playing live with them. And they're both like incredible musicians to work with. Um, the music we were playing, although it was, um, yeah, as I said, so much fun. Mm. Um, it wasn't really my vision which sure. is which is obvious because it's like I was just I was just drumming for them it yeah. was, it was, it's like it was like Jack's vision Jack's music isn't it yeah. exactly Jack's vision mainly um, and I feel like it came to a natural time to sort of um, draw that to a close okay. oh, that's a shame man I'm sorry I had no idea that it happened it's um not so much a shame I feel, feel like it happened at the perfect time okay um, I can't imagine myself still playing with with them now yeah um, we're, we're still like very good friends cool well, um, good. like there's I, I can imagine with in some like band situations when someone's asked to leave it can it's create a lot of animosity between sure. members but like they're, they're, my, they're my great friends cool um, I'm glad yeah like I, ca I can't I can't imagine not being fucking homies with Pete yeah yeah you know like, oh, it's the nicest guy ever. yeah he's, I fucking love Pete um, so are you looking to then do something on your own term in terms of a band setting or uh, not or you're not actively not my own so vision right. so much um, like I'm not setting out to start a band yeah I've been more inspired right now than I have been in many years to really like do something musically yeah um, me and Harry who I'm flatting with Um, so he's got some songs written 
and it's really really cool um it's it's gonna be great stuff um and i've he said like really just write what you want to it so i can like i'm drumming for it yeah um so i can take full liberty on yeah like you've got some freedom yeah like directing yeah the the rhythms that go behind the structure of the songs which is awesome yeah <laughs> it's, sure. it's, it's like oh, it's so much fun and i'm cool you know i'm so excited it's um and it's and it's music that i really really love um so i'm really excited for that awesome where i'm we've it's been a long time coming it's um we've all got our own personal commitments yeah so it's been slower than we would have liked to get something together because we're all working you know, like huge yeah. hours and Sucks, man, when work gets in the way of the work you want to do. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I like I like the paychecks. Yeah, <laughs> it, um, for sure. It provides for my lifestyle. Oh, 100%. That I like. I like being able to live nicely, I guess. Um, Have a bit but, of freedom but, in that regard too. Mm, yeah. But, I yeah, the, the work hours, I'm definitely going to drop down sometime soon or just yeah. quit. Maybe go and study. Not sure what. Yeah. Um, but I've also been like writing about my own music recently, um, which is awesome. Yeah, I haven't good. I haven't felt the inspiration to sit down and write for ages. That and is. when I've tried, it's been see that was a that was a lockdown thing as well. I um I thought I haven't had I've been working like forty five hour weeks for the last year, and every time I'm not at work, I'm not wanting to you know, sit down and put in put in work to that because it's not something you can just sit down and go right I'm going to do this right now yeah um, you've got to, for me for me personally you've got to have I've got to have a few like a fair bit of time to really feel what I'm trying to write otherwise sure. otherwise it's not something that means anything to me mm. um, and I question why am I writing this as opposed to literally anything else I could possibly want to write which I don't know what that is but mm. like why this so to be able to sit down finally and um, be inspired by what I'm actually putting down is really really cool and it only makes me want to do it more of course um, and I'm possibly going to be playing drums in another band quite soon which um is more exciting again. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. Yeah, lots of things going on. Yeah, it's um I feel like it's a bit of a Dunedin sort of having a resurgence. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's sort yeah. of it's all happening That's again. Something that this uh this COVID situation has done as well is sort of re excited people about the gig scene and you know, being able to go out and do things again, you sort of take that for granted. So Exactly. I think this is a good window for people to start. I feel really like getting amongst it. Yeah, I feel like lockdown, especially for for artists, was um, like really good just to have that have that time to, as I was talking about earlier, like just to sit down and reflect on what you're really wanting to do yeah. and why you're wanting to do it. And I feel like after we've come out of that and the aftermath of that, now that the social climate is allowing for it, people are really going for it. Like. People are excited yeah. to, you know, be like creating sure. stuff and, and sharing it with and people. And which hopefully is hopefully that will what be what helps sort of 
bring the economy back and or you know keep it keep it flowing. Mm. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, um, I was considering uh, moving up to Wellington next yeah. year, which I had been considering for a long time, but. I'm now being swayed. <laughs> Good things are happening, and yeah, I've, I, a lot of people I've talked to recently have been saying that that Dunedin is people are comfortable here. Things are happening for people in the city. Yeah, they don't feel the need to make big moves like that anymore, which was on the table for a lot of people. And I know a lot of people that have made that move as well. Wellington's the place to be. Melbourne's mm. the place to be. Mm-hmm. Whatever, and that's cool. But if you can make your lifestyle there, absolutely, like they're fantastic places to be. But you really have to look at where you are and what you can take from where you are and really seriously consider whether you need to make the move or not. And personally, yeah. like I'm thriving here at the moment and I think a lot of other people are too. And I think this, That's awesome. again, this COVID thing has just been a big eye-opener for a lot of people about what is being done here and what needs to be taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that's the thing. I was... um. For a long time, I felt like I had um, really done what there was to do here Um, and was getting quite antsy to shift on. Mm. But I don't know, maybe it's something that comes with age. I feel like I'm becoming comfortable in what I want to do and how I I go about doing it. Yeah. Um, And like obviously this... If I didn't move down to Dunedin, it was going to be Wellington to study. Mm. Um, and if I'd gone there instead of down here, be I'd be I'd be a, I'd be a very 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 different person. <laughs> yeah, not one that I'd like to think about. Um, so yeah, I'm grateful for what's happened so, since you've been here. So thankful for everything that Dunedin has been able to offer me. That's what we want to hear. Yeah, look, man. We've been talking for three hours. It's been quite a few. This is fantastic. <laughs> Lovely to see you, man. Really appreciate you coming on and doing this. this As always. Fantastic. Thank you very much for the You're opportunity. Welcome. All right. Bye, everyone. See you. <laughs>